Smoke and Snow Season 2 Episode 11, A Castle of Ice and Blood. It has been several days since the heroes returned from the moor, bearing word of the vampiric threat lurking in the frozen mountains to the north. Spurred on by the faith of his beloved, Brock has sent out a call to his people, and as the days passed, slowly at first, but then in greater numbers, ice walkers from various tribes across the land began to gather. Few in number at first, they eventually form a huge horde of over 200 men surrounding New Zealand. The heroes have travelled across the land, leading this ragtag, raucous and violently brutal horde of barbarians in their wake. They've passed through the lands of various different peoples, the Leng, etc., on their way, before entering the strange land of Dracovia, a mist-shrouded place of tall, withered trees and small villages, a land where the fields, the drudgery work of everyday life appears to be done by the dead. It seems to be accepted by the local people who, as peasants in this faux medieval world in which we inhabit, seem to have fairly easy lives. Much of the hard labour, the ploughing, the sowing, stuff like that, is done by walking corpses. And this appears to be regarded as nothing particularly unusual by the local people. But your eyes are set on your goals, so you don't have time to linger in these villages. You continue towards your destination, the foreboding dark tower of Castle Blut. A huge dark castle, imposing as it juts into the sky from the frozen peaks of the Black Spine Mountains. The castle itself almost seems to be part of the landscape, frozen, locked into it, so that in some cases it's difficult to tell where the mountain begins and the castle itself ends. You make your way up through a series of narrow, winding pathways until you find yourself standing on the edge of a deep chasm that cuts through the mountain like a jagged wound. In front of you, a large, dark, wooden drawbridge lies across the chasm, open as though you are expected. Beyond it, you see, through the open portcullis of the castle, a blue-white flagstoned walkway stretching into the castle interior proper. You can hear snarling and barking as you approach from a number of alcoves set in the north and south of this walkway. And whilst you cannot see what is within it, occasionally you see a gout of flame erupt from one of these alcoves. And you see a dark shadow moving in each of them, and the occasional sound of heavy metal chains clanking. I've placed you all on the map. Obviously, it's up to you guys in which order you proceed. I've sort of put you just off the edge of the Albert Rodeo map. To the west of you, you can see this 
this walkway as I've described with these alcoves in them and you can hear this snarling and occasionally you see a gout of flame come from the alcoves it's pretty much over to you then guys I'm gonna try and keep the combat rounds and such like a little bit loose just so we can keep things moving as you're sort of entering this area and you've been making your way up the the narrow passes to Castle Blut you look down to the southwest of you to your left and down below in the sort of valley that leads up to the mountains you start to hear the sound of metal clashing upon metal and you see the huge barbarian horde that has been gathered by Barak start to crash into an assembled horde of peasants and seemingly normal soldiers but in amongst them there are the shambling figures of the dead and deceased once more led into battle you occasionally glimpse a cloaked figure with a flickering of eldritch magic about them as the two armies clash and begin their combat down in the valley the occasional cry or war chant reaching your ears even this far up in the mountains where the air is a good deal thinner but the open portcullis of castle blot looms ahead of you over to you so these alcoves with the the fire coming out occasionally that's those stars on the that's on the correct. map there but yeah okay and is it at the same height each time it's it seems to vary it varies yeah. from being right just over your head height to being right down near the floor okay and there's obviously no pattern to it not as far as you can from see and it's only occasionally it's only occasionally from various different alcoves it's not like a constant stream of incendiary matter Let's give me a second. I'm going to shut the door to blot out some of this background noise. But have a think about what you want to do, guys. Did we hire retainers? No. Okay. Away team it is. We <laughs> <laughs> so probably killed all the retainers. So what's the plan, guys? Uh, I think we should turn the tanks in first. And... Obviously, I've just dropped your tokens there. We're not in strict combat rounds. I'm probably going to play a bit loose with that. So e each square is five foot, as is the normal. There's no like grid to like, lock you to. So you know what the deal is with maps. Cool. So we agreed uh, sneaky guys go first, yeah? Yeah. Sorry, uh, did I? Um, are the doors closed or open? They are open. The, open. the the two doors that you're sort of stood on that effectively represents the the drawbridge, which is down over the chasm, which right. reaches okay, yeah, off yeah, to, yeah, the, yeah. to the yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And as you as you look down the walkway past these alcoves, where occasionally flames jettison forth from, you can see the open portcullis at the end, and what looks to be further sort of worked stone flooring beyond. you think your shield would hold up to this fire if it come out, Malcolm? I don't know. Um, I presume it's not just normal fire, right? 
it's difficult to tell. It's just like a, a gout of flame. And occasionally, as I said, you hear like a sort of uh, a snuffling and a, a growling sound from inside these alcoves. And occasionally you catch a glimpse of like large shadows in these alcoves. Okay, so I will go in towards the first alcove. Okay. And I guess what I want to do is try and peek into the alcove and see what I can see. Okay, Romy 86. Let's tell me what you get. One. Okay, you peer into the first alcove, sort of peeping around the corner. And as you look into it, you see a monstrous hound, dark as a pitch, the size of a small pony. It appears to be chained to the floor by a large heavy duty metal chain that clanks as it sort of moves and thrashes against its bonds as it moves occasionally as it breathes out a small gout of flames emanates from its slavering maw okay and if i look opposite do i see another one yeah okay um did it notice me it doesn't appear to have done no it seems so, to be more sort of intent on like struggling against its chain and sort of stuff like that. Okay. And does it look like there's enough movement on its chain that it could get out of the alcove? You don't really have a great deal of time to sort of assess it because you sort of peep around the corner. But you think there's like a, there's a good length of chain there. So while you expect right, if you if you went into the castle or you withdrew beyond the drawbridge, it probably wouldn't be able to follow you. There's probably enough length on there that you know it could get some distance out of the alcove. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, does it look like a hellhound? Or is it like a statuesque? Or is it... I, I suppose if if you think that like a large sort of pony-sized black dog that breathes fire might be called a hellhound, that's, okay. a, that's an apt description. Okay, So, but it, but it is a creature and not like a statue or a construct? Or... It is a creature, yeah. Okay. I'll just put some tokens on there, see. Um, this is a terrible idea. Um, All the best. I start like that. Would like to um, approach the creature with some food. Oh, I see where you're going. I can't get it to be friendly to me. Uh, But I want to try and do it in such a way that the opposite one can't see me. Okay. Hellhound Whisperer. You're going to have to refresh my memory on the rules for this, but uh, I do remember um, this as a thing. I think it's uh, basically 2d6 yeah, plus my re- charisma. It's the reaction roll, to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so let me just pull out the rules quickly. Um, yeah, I've got the reaction table out. Uh, no, I don't, think it, I don't think it gets a reaction. I think it's just... No, no, no. I mean, I mean, on the... Uh, your role is on the sort of normal monster reaction table, and if you get a friendly result, then you've done your thing. I believe is how it works. Uh, okay, so the hunter must approach the animal in a peaceful manner. 
The referee makes a reaction roll with a plus one bonus and a character's normal charisma modifier. If the result is eight or greater, the animal becomes the hunter's companion. Yeah. Okay. So 2d6 plus one, and I guess you can roll or I can roll. Okay, I'll roll for that. So let's see how we go. Oh, it's only a two. Oh. Okay. So which one do you move yourself in front of which one you're going to like offer the thing yeah. to you? Like, like a bit of jerky or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or my arm, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as you move forward, attempting to sort of ingratiate yourself, speak in a non-threatening manner, soft voice, offering food, etc., the creature at first seems receptive and too late. You notice what appears to be a spark of evil intelligence behind its fiery red eyes. And it suddenly lunges forward with incredible speed, despite its size. You hear the chain. You briefly have a moment to register the chains are rattling as it moves forward, and then it throws itself bodily at you. What is your AC? Uh, twenty. Okay, so it's on a plus six. Okay, so it has hit you, and its damage is. A mighty 1d6. Okay, you take four hit points of damage as this huge sort of hellhound, as you've called it, leaps forward and its jaw literally clamps onto your arm, almost engulfing your forearm. And it's small consolation, I suppose, but as you sort of look at it, the chain trailing out behind it, you think that, like, the ch- you briefly, it's odd how your mind sort of disassociates itself from the pain in your arm. But you have time to note that you think the chain's about 15 feet long, so we'll only be able to like move about 15 feet. Okay. And it's like set into like a thick wrought iron sort of fixture at the, the base of the alcove. Okay. So okay. if I... So I guess I need to pull back outside the door so that it can't... I want to pull back as far as I can so that it can't get me. Okay, make um, a strength check because it has grabbed your arm. Okay... Uh, my strength is 13 so that's under so that's a pass yep you manage to wrench your arm out of this thing's grasp and you manage to fall back okay Brock what are you doing does this thing come in is it coming out of the alcove to the point where I see it and I can yeah effectively a bit about that can I take a swing of it yeah as it sort of approaches a Malcolm or tries to give chase. Oh, that's definitely a miss, I should imagine. I rolled a two, so that is like seven, yeah. Yeah, that's a miss. Okay, Weimar, obviously you've seen this going on. Brock stepped in, gone in with the big swing. I presume you're using your sword, are you, Brock? Yep. yep. He's gone in with the big swing. However, as I've said, despite this thing's size, it appears to be ex- almost unnaturally you might say agile and it sort of dances around Brock's blow okay speaking of size what's the sort of rough comparison to a different animal it's about the size of a small pony small pony so small for a pony yeah (laughs) Yep. But, but big for a dog yeah, <laughs> and you yeah. you notice as you're sort of sizing it up and you're taking in this size, that, so mm-hmm. there's a very faint sort of over the fur, the the ebony fur of this creature. There's a very 
sort of a slight like heat haze rising from it as though like this thing was giving off like an incredible amount of heat. Right, so it's basically it's dancing with Brock now. So I'll I'll try and you know we'll we'll see how it goes, but I'll I'll try and maybe like stomp on the chain to like yank it and then go in with the with the sword. Nice. Go for but it. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um okay. Right. Okay, I've got that. Um the ogre power gauntlets, John, uh once again. What was the baseline stuff for them? I guess not it's only got the one thing because it's not conditional. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Gauntlet Ogre Power plus three bonus to attack and damage rolls in melee. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. And then one from that. So okay, so here goes the swing. Yeah, that'll be twenty-five. Yeah, that'll do it. Roll your damage. Uh, and then plus three, you said for damage from the gauntlets as well. Yeah, and yeah. Th this is not an undead creature. Yeah. I figured yeah, it's it's a bit too lively for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the worst damage in the world. Uh, five, though. Okay. No problem. So you cleave into this creature's hide with the sun sword. Your magical gauntlets lending you extra strength as the, the purifying flame of the sun sword meets the unholy dark fire of this evil hellhound it lets out a, a high-pitched yipping like scream and the smell of burnt fur fills the air as your sword bites into it okay quentin it's not really a whole lot i can do at the minute um i can't really get enough room to throw a dagger without stabbing one of these guys so uh, i'll just hold off and okay so I'll go to the other one as this one is coming out of here. And these two are coming out of here, but they can't go any further. Okay, so the two at the front, they have a, a two in six chance each round of breathing fire. So let's see if either of them breathe fire. No, they don't. So the one attacking Brock. That's a 15, which I'm guessing probably misses. And that one has yep. hit Weimar. So for D6 damage. So you take 6 hit points of damage, Weimar. As this creature wheels around as you've already bitten into it with the Sun Sword. And it bites into your good leg. Okay. Over to you guys, who wants to go first? Can I see the extent of the chains now on these ones near the back? Yep, you can. You think the ones at the back, these two... Um, these two sort of here, they wouldn't be able to move any nearer to you. They're at like... They they're, they're literally straining. straining at the limit of their their chains, whereas the other, the other sort of four, having been in closer alcoves, they've still got like a fair bit of room to manoeuvre. I, I suggest to the one standing behind then 
you know, fall back, we can uh, we can use our range weapons against these creatures as they can't move past the uh, restraints of these chains. And I'll try and sort of get the ones behind to back off a bit and do a sort of fight and withdraw okay. on this one at the front here. Yeah, anyone who wants to, to move back, move yourselves back? Yeah. I'm going to take a swing and then sort of half move, was it? Yeah, back. go for it. Okay. I, I do a full move because <laughs> I need... Oh, and uh, I'll be right back. Sorry. No worries. I missed again. So I just okay. fall back after that, sort of trying to defend. Okay, okay so you guys fall back. So obviously I'm not going to... You will eventually take these creatures out with your uh, your missile weapons. However, obviously I'm not going to make you make rolls for all of those. It'd, take, it'd be not very interesting. However, I'm going to ask how many of you are sort of firing missile weapons at them. I'll fire crossbow bolts at them. Okay. So you've got one person. Uh, I'll fire as well. Okay. Yeah, I've got my new uh, longbow that I purchased after the last visit to the zombies. Fab. Okay, so let's see. So, yeah. I think uh, Johannes has got a longbow, hasn't he? Okay. Yeah, why not? Yeah, no problems. Yeah, war by bow. Okay, so what I'm going to say is, effectively, in order to kill these creatures, it's going to take you, between you all, it's going to take a combination of like 30 arrows or bolts in total. So how you guys <coughs> want to deduct those from your ammunition is down to you. But that's basically how, how much resources you've had to put in to like stand in there and like firing at these things, because you will eventually kill them. Okay, and any of them, are any of them retrievable afterwards? I would say, let's see. Roughly approximately about half of them. So, so I would say probably about 15 of them are retrievable. So it will be 15 lost in total. Okay, so I can just take them out of my stock. That's fine. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. So I will take these tokens off. Like I say, it takes you a fair old while because these things are obviously a lot more resilient than your average hound. And they're sort of straining at their chains and breathing gouts of fire. But as you guys have rightfully surmised, they're, they're on these like 15-foot chains. They can't go any further. And obviously they're, they're sort of brief gouts of fire. It's not like a sustained like dragon breath sort of deal. So they don't really reach a great deal of distance. So it probably takes you a good maybe 10, 15 minutes of just constantly pelting these these hellish hounds with crossbow bolts, arrows, etc. But in the end, the last one of them does fall to the, the ground with a loud thump and the clattering of heavy metal chains. Um, and then I should look down, was it to the west? To, to sort of just have a glance at the sort of the battle that's going on. Indeed, and what we'll do to see how the battle's going, I'm going to ask Darren, can you please rock? Since the forces are pretty evenly matched, can you please roll me a d6 for your six. side, and I'm going to roll a d6 for my side. 
just see how the sort of ebb and flow of the battle's going. It's a five on my side. Okay, and it was a two for me, so... So as you look down, you can see that the battle actually appears to be going pretty well for your for your motley horde of ice walker barbarians. They did take some initial damage as they were closing to get into combat from the sort of missile weapons and foul magics of the enemy's necromancers. But now they've actually got into hand-to-hand -hand combat. Their greater skill over the sort of peasant levy and shambling undead has started to tell and they're sort of they're, they're carving a swathe through the forces of the enemy but although as i say they're fairly equally matched it's not a case of they're equally matched in numbers the enemy has far greater numbers but you've got more skilled people so mm. at, although they are carving into them there's still plenty of the undead forces remaining yeah but it seems to be going pretty well yeah, that gives me a bit of confidence that, you know, I can sort of leave them to it almost and I'm not deserting them in their hour of need. So with that, Brock's going to sort of step back into the, the corridors and okay. get level with the first where these alcoves were and just check if it looks safe now. Yeah, it appears so if you don't see anything untoward. Let's say you look into the alcove, you see the heavy metal fixtures that these chains are still attached to. And obviously you're sort of stepping over the bodies of these now deceased hellhounds, these huge dark furred hounds with this vaguely sulfurous smell and still the sort of slight heat haze wafting off them. Although that's steadily dissipating, now they are dead. Okay, then I shall continue up this same side until we get up to the door. Okay, not a problem. Um, is there anything interesting in the alcoves as we're walking past? Not, not that you can see. You do a quick search, but you don't see anything of particular interest in there. Correct. I think peer round the doorway and see what's going on in 1B. Okay, no problems. And hopefully that will be revealed soon. There we go. Okay, so you peer into a large square antechamber. There are six stone pillars holding up this roof of the same sort of blue-white stone that composes the floor. On the the two pillars nearest to you and the two that are furthest away from you, you can see they appear to have skeletons chained to them and a sort of icy cold mist appears to play around the bones that are chained to the pillars. And I'll just quickly mark the ones that have got I'll bet you a million gold that those skeletons are going to come to life you got the funds to back that up well, I will have one <laughs> finished in there yeah it's riding high my pirate gold mate that's what it is. <laughs> and obviously around the around the outside of the chamber as you peer in you can see there are five doors not in count not counting the one that you're entering through how are the uh skeletons chained are they like hands it, held up or indeed it appears as though there are manacles around their feet which are attached to the base of the pillar and there are manacles around their hands of stretching almost like crucifying them to the to the pillar mm -hmm. and chains stretch up to the very top fixture of the pillars so 
fixed into the roof, basically. Is there any markings on the pillar? Not as far as you can see. Well, okay. you do notice as you look at them, there is a there is a slightly unsettling sort of pinkish tinge to the stone, as though perhaps these people were sort of killed on the pillar, and their blood has almost soaked into the stone. I'm going to pop the uh, magic detecting spectacles on and have a quick look. Uh, if you remember the might you no longer have the magic detecting oh, spectacles. Indeed, they yeah, they got smashed up, didn't they? Well, it's definitely magic. Brock, it's magic. Um, is this an archway, did you say, John, or is it a doorway with a door in? Just an archway? Just an okay. archway, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to step in. Uh, I'll step into sort of literally the door, just inside the doorway. Yeah, um, no problem. See if there's any reaction from sort of what's happening in the room, the mist, the skeletons, anything at all. Okay. As you step into the room, the the mist clinging around the four skeletons very slowly begins to coalesce into four pale, spectral, human-like forms. In front of the skeletons, sort of. Indeed. Yeah. Just give me a moment. Okay, you've got a bit of time to react. Like I say, they're very slowly sort of coalescing. And if I step back out of the room, does the process continue? It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll do that anyway, temporarily. That's absolutely fine. Can I make out the, the sort of form of what's... They appear you know, to uh, be... Like armoured man or... As they're sort of slowly forming, they appear to be piteous-looking, almost peasant-like forms, people clad in rags with scrawny, malnourished limbs. Their faces are twisted in an expression of sorrow and loss. Well, that's a bit bigger than I intended. <laughs> so they're obviously uh, some sort of peasants that have done something wrong. Sounds of it. Okay, let's give it that um, Is there any way we're going to be able to negotiate our way with these? Obviously, they're still in the process of being formed. The if there are anything like the um, crypt we encountered with that ghost, it's going to be a pain in the arse. I mean, we could try and get through one of the doors before they form, but... If you're going to do that, you'll have to be quick. Yeah, well, I'll, probably got I'll tell you what, then. Pick a door. Um, my bottom right. Okay. Is it open? I guess It is not. indeed. Oh. You open would, the door. As soon as... Uh, and goes in there, I'll follow him in case uh, it gets ugly. Okay, not a problem. 
So you sprint across the chamber, all of you, while these figures are forming. As they're sort of getting, they're still translucent, but as they're becoming more solid, the a low sort of keening wail begins to emanate from them. Quentin, you're the first to get through this door into what appears to be the a small sort of circular tower, for want of a better term. There is a stone staircase in the centre of the chamber, which leads both up and down. And if we close the door behind us, but whether that will make any difference, we will have to wait and see. It's a, it's a sturdy wooden door, but I say these are these are phantasmal sort of ghost-like creatures. So whether it will make any difference, you don't know. Do we wait to see if they come through, or do we just push on? Let's just bugger off. So uh, up or down then? How many uh, floors does the castle have? Can we tell from outside? You, I mean, you're you're guesstimating, but you would say there's probably at least three floors going up, going down. You don't know because that you're at the ground floor already. So, well, I'm guessing down's going to lead to darkness, dungeons. Up's going to lead to the um, nobility. Oh, let's go up then. Okay, so you're all heading up the stone staircase, are you? Yes. Yep. Okay, not a problem. I will move you to the next map. I'm going to hang at the back temporarily just in case any of these things come through the door and okay. give chase. No problem at all. Let me just unveil a part of this map so you can see. And then I'll stick you on so you can see where you all are. He says quickly when it kicks in. What time in. of day is it? It's pr probably fairly early, I would say. So there's a, there's a high chance that all the vampires have gone to bed then. Last time we saw a vampire touch sunlight, it didn't work out very well for the vampire. That's very true. Okay, mm. I'm just going to pop you guys onto this map. So, darkest place would be down. Yep, so after the vampire. You continue up this staircase it you've reached basically the the first floor from the ground floor you can see the staircase continues up ahead of you however you can also see to the west what appears to be a stout wooden door is there any sound of the waving getting closer Make me a make me a listen at doors check. Whatever it's called, I forget. You know the um, one. Okay, I do. So it is a. It's a one, so I'm presuming that's good. Yes, it is. You don't hear any sound of the moaning noise following you up the stairs. However, as you're listening, through a a few sort of 
you hear sort of like first like the sound of like wind and as you listen you can see like through a few sort of like gaps and like cracks in the the wooden door to the west you can feel cold fresh air sort of coming through the door Okay, so I'll just tell the others that I can feel air, call fresh air through the door. Okay. Oh, let's let some sunlight in and keep letting sunlight in. <laughs> yeah, try and open the door. Yeah, absolutely fine. Not a problem. So you open the door. And beyond it, you see that the the walkway that you're looking out onto, which is sort of here, is actually open to the air. As you look around here, you can see the outside of this, this small tower that you're in. And at the opposite end is another tower with a large wooden door. And this would appear to be like an open air walkway that links the two together. And is it clear that there's one above it as well? It is, yeah. Okay. And as you as you look around, you can see that the sort of edges of this walkway are marked with an ornate gold and silver balustrade or sort of uh, handholds. There's numerous sort of gold and silver posts with like a chain running between them made of various precious metals sort of lining the edge of the walkway yeah. I'll, I'll go and check the uh, walkway you three stay here okay watch from the doorway okay yep you move out onto the walkway Quentin and as you're sort of looking around it you can see that it appears each sort of side of it appears to be fastened to the respective towers by sturdy chains which are built of more commonplace metals but as i say the it appears pretty secure and the sort of hand holds the rail down each side is made of gold silver and various other precious metals you have with your sort of roguish nature you have a sort of quick count as you're going along and you're like there's got to be nearly like ten thousand like silver pieces worth of silver in these like handrails easy i don't have time to collect it all so okay so you're moving across to the to the door yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Having a look, listen, look. Well, make your uh, listen at doors wrong. And let me know what you get. I got three, so that's a fail. Okay, you don't hear anything beyond the door. Yeah, I'll signal to the other ones it's safe. Okay. Is this door locked or is it open? It, it appears to be a little stiff, but it's not locked. You think with a good shove you can open it? 
Move across. Are you opening the door? Yeah, I'll give it a good shove. Okay, no problems. You shove the door and it opens, revealing the entrance to this large tower. And as you look to the north, sort of just around the, the sort of curve of the tower, you can see another wooden door, which you expect must lead to another walkway similar to the one you just entered by. Actually, you'll probably be able to see a little bit more over here as well, so I'll add a bit more on. Are these just standard pillars? They are, support yeah. pillars, or have they got any kind of body attached to them? They don't appear to have any bodies attached to them, no. Who's way at the back in the stairwell? That's a Weimar. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he moves a lot slower than you guys. Cut him some slack. He's got a wooden leg. Yeah, <laughs> and a full suit of plate. You know what I mean? He's probably wearing the heaviest equipment and he's got the jankiest leg. I'm going to go to this corner here and see what I can see. Okay, as you peer down this corridor here, you can see what appears to be the entrance to a to a chamber sort of here about halfway down. There also appears to be a solid wall here. Yeah. And obviously it, it continues further around and there's a couple of these pillars here but they do appear to be relatively normal pillars there's no like bodies hanging from them or anything similar okay i'm gonna move to there okay Okay, so as you move around, you see, as you look into what appears to be a larger, more open area of the tower, there are, there is double doors in the western wall, another set of these two pillars in the far wall, and there is what appears to be a staircase in the middle of the room. Is that going up or down or both directions? As you look at it, it actually doesn't appear to be going anywhere. It doesn't appear okay. to be heading down or up. It's just like a staircase just sat there. Like, maybe they were building a staircase and they never finished it. Or maybe it's just like a sculptural piece, you're not sure. But you do notice that on either side of this staircase are what appear to be two pools of water. And I'll use my incredibly basic artistic skills to quickly just like draw those in for you there we go if I go to here and look into 2C Yep. You peer into it, you see what appears to be a an empty semi-spherical chamber with four pillars in it, again made out of the same stone, but nothing remarkable about them. They just appear to be here as structural support. That's good, though. Okay, so Brock, what are you up to while this is going on? Basically watching 
watching his back as he sort of creeps around, just in case anything appears after seeing those ghostly images and or spectral sort of things. I'm expecting literally anything to sort of walk through a wall or anything to appear from behind a pillar or something. So I'm basically watching Quentin's back while he's sort of sneaking around. Okay, no problem at all. What about yourselves, uh, Malcolm and Weimar? Uh, I'm just kind of waiting on the pathway, kind of looking, watching our back and listening out for uh, anything going wrong. Okay, not a problem. At this point, I'm going to ask Brock, can you roll me another d6 for the progress of the battle? I'm on a three. Okay, so Malcolm and Weimar, as you're stood on the sort of open air balcony, and also you can look over the sides and you can see down into the valley where this pitched battle is taking place. You can see that although the, the barbarian horde appear to have sort of bitten deep into the the main force of the undead and their greater skill at arms was starting to show the sheer weight of numbers of the undead forces and the the magical support and the sort of fearful spectral life-draining undead they have has slowly started to turn the tide and the the barbarian horde has started to like get encircled by the greater numbers of the undead and you see they're sort of gradually getting like pressed in as the undead army is surrounding them obviously you're seeing this from a sort of an aerial viewpoint that's happening some distance away. I'll just call out that time is pressing. Okay, so from outside, you guys hear Malcolm shout, time is pressing. Okay, what's next, guys? I'm going to move to the double doors now. Okay, not a problem. You move over to the double doors. Again, they don't appear to be locked. They just appear to be sort of a, a little stiff, basically. Uh, you know, I'm just going to give it a bash. Okay, no problems. You push the double doors open, and it appears to open out onto a large balcony around the outside of this tower. Again, with these precious metal sort of handrails, and as you peer out, you can see the the battle playing out in the valley below as I've just described to Malcolm and Weimar as the doors open the sort of shouts from far down below and the clash of steel flood in okay. oh. I should just leave the door open and then go around to the other okay not a problem you move around to the other open air balcony and since this uh from what you've seen so far this castle appears to be like built on like fairly sort of symmetrical sort of construction techniques you see another open air balcony stretching out ahead of you with a door at the end of it and you can make out i'll just make this visible now you should be able to see it from the outside and work out what it is you can see another sort of small tower Well, we know there's something down in 2F, so I'll shout out this way. 
did, did the tower continue up? The staircase? Yeah, up it and did. down. Yeah. Okay. So what's the plan, guys? I think we should... Given these towers are mainly empty, we should just go down. Down back to the ground level at 2G, you mean? Well, I'll just keep going down, yeah. Yeah, but go down that way rather than, yeah. Okay. Rather than past the ghosts. Yeah. Mm. Cool. True yeah, G. We can give it a try. Okay. Quentin, roll me a D6. It's a spicy six. Okay. You've put your hand on the door. You're just about to push it open. When you notice that the door feels a little cold to the touch, and you're just sort of like, oh, it causes you to pause. You know, like, oh, that's, that's a bit strange. I mean, obviously it's cold all around, but this doorway feels noticeably colder to the point where, like, you know, you've almost got that sort of like tingling, like pre frost burn feeling in your hands. You quickly pull your hand away, and you're just about to turn around and mention it to the, the others. When you hear the sound of something moving beyond the door, oh. there's something moving behind this very cold door. And do we associate cold with sort of ghosts and spectres? It, it is known. It, it is known in myth and legend, and certainly your people would know this that the the spirits of the unquiet dead, one of the signs of their approach is a is a drop in temperature in the surrounding areas as well as strange noises. Mm. I'll gesture Quentin back from the door in case something comes through. And indeed, as you say that, so Quentin jumping back just in the nick of time a spectral humanoid figure clad in rags emerges through the door its face twisted in a mask of Edvard Munchian horror its hands held out as it sort of goes like that slowly just in the space that Quentin was in a few moments earlier as he sort of skips back out of reach of it and it sort of carries on drifting forwards as you sort of step round Quentin Brook it appears to have no no weapons, just like spectral rags flowing as though in an unseen and unfelt breeze. And as it sort of continues to get slowly closer to you, you feel like goose pimples start to break out on your, your flesh. The temperature of this whole area starts to drop. And you notice that uh, it, it appears mm. to make no noise whatsoever as it moves, even though its face is like contorted as though it's screaming no sound escapes its ghastly visage uh, what I would react in the only way that I know really and I'd take a swing towards it to see if I can uh, disperse this spirit in some way okay go for it wow uh, my highest roll so far is a 2 I'm afraid that's not going to be enough <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Okay, Two so one you, and a one. <laughs> you swing your sword at it and you mm. you sever a few sort of wisps of these 
phantasmal sort of flowing robes and as they break off they seem to disperse like a morning mist and just disperse and disappear into vapour as though once detached from the creature itself they can no longer exist separately as though they're a part of it okay next nearest person Quentin going to throw a vial of holy water nice. at the stonework behind it okay so what, what's your aim in, in doing this to get the holy water to spray down on it right okay so you, so you are literally trying to hit it but you're trying to like bounce it off the wall basically yeah 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 that's absolutely fine it's only a you've only got to get a difficulty 10 on your range to attack roll because you're just trying to hit the wall okay range got 17 that'll do it roll a d6 Six. Okay, you you hit the the sort of edge of the tower just above where it's coming out through the door, and the water cascades down on it. And where the holy water touches this spectral creature, it's as though acid is eating into its very being. You notice sort of like pitted sort of melting marks appearing, like I said, like acid, and. It, Again, its mouth opens even wider as though it's screaming, but still no sound escapes. That aside from a faint sort of hissing noise as the the spectral makeup of its body and the holy water sort of cancel each other out. Why am I Malcolm when you'd holy swords? <laughs> uh is there room to maneuver? Not really on this. It's only like five feet wide, this uh, walkway. I'd say you could possibly, if you moved like adjacent to someone, so let's say you moved up to Quentin, the two of you could switch places, but you wouldn't just be able to like bull rush past him and Brock. You'd need to sort of switch places with Quentin, then next round switch places with Brock because you're having to sort of like squeeze past each other, which <laughs> why, you, why you're being attacked is not particularly easy. Okay. <laughs> Coming through. <laughs> clank, clank, clank. Okay, so Quentin and Weimar, if you want to swap places, you can do that. Okay, so Weimar moves forward and him and Quentin sort of like edge past each other. Malcolm, what are you doing? Um, I'm going to call out, should we fall back where there's more space? Um, And on the assumption that people agree with that that's a good idea, I'm going to fall back um, to here so I can get it when it comes in the door. Okay, not a problem. So with the with the player characters turned gone, it's now on to the, the monsters. And as you watch, a second spectral figure emerges through the door, and it actually... So it doesn't really seem to step, it seems to like glide... It glides over the edge of this walkway, appearing to not be bothered by gravity in the least. And it moves up to here. As it basically flows through the air and then seemingly sort of like rejoins the walkway. Obviously, it's it's not going to be able to attack this round. However, the one that's in front of Barack is going to be able to. So let me make a quick roll for that. 
and that is a mighty four. So as this spectral creature sort of flails at you with its spectral talons, Brock, you basically just sort of like wheel back and sway dangerously on this walkway, relying on your barbarian reflexes to keep you steady. You deftly avoid its clumsy undead swipes at you. Okay, over to you guys. Um, so if I make a tech it, would I actually be able to move through it? You could, you would certainly try that. You've seen that it can pass through solid objects. You don't know mm. if you'd be able to move through it, and if you could, you don't know what effect that would have on you. Okay, because you're, you're well, actually gonna... plunging through an evil spirit, as far as you would probably see it. Yeah, but you you could well, try I'll, it. I'll make an attack first. Okay. Anyway, um, so I'm gonna try and. Attack it. That is a 14. Okay, that is not enough, I'm afraid. Okay, um, and then I'm going to... I'm not going to try and go straight through the middle of it. We're going to try and get past it, sort of round it, or you know, touch it as little as possible. We'll get through it so that we can sort of attack it from either side. Okay, not a problem. Can you make me a save versus spells, please? Um, spells... Let's just roll first. Oh, Jesus. These ones. Well, that's definitely a foul. I don't know what I need. No, it's, you need to get above your uh, save. So yeah, no, I was just looking at I need an eye. Uh, yeah, foul, definitely. Okay, no problem. So let me just move that to there. So as Brock plunges forward, so trying to go around this creature, to sort of get to the door, he gets his hand on the door to the tower. And then as you watch this this mist that forms up this creature seems to flow it into Brock through like his nostrils and his mouth. Brock turns round to face you, still holding his sword, and you see his eyes are a sort of solid, dead white colour. Brock, you have now been possessed by this evil spirit. Okay, why more? What do you do? Obviously, the um, the ghost that's above. Uh, Above Brock is just there to remind me it's not actually physically there now. But what do you do? Why, as you look over your shoulder, you can see that the the second spirit is behind Quentin and so I'm moving towards him. And I see you've just seen Brock turn round, his eyes white, and this dead blank expression on his face, still holding this this sword in his muscular hands. Well, I'll I'll hold up the sun sword and think at it. Uh, is, is how do you cast out spirits other than killing the vessel? It's like, well, well, do you have any uh, do you have any holy water on you or anything that'd probably do the job? You you hear in your head. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's go to town. So, um, what would be the difficulty in me bull rushing Brock and trying to just like grab him and smash? Holy water! I, I, I would say it would be a melee attack, but the difficulty is only ten because you're not trying to like mm. stab him in a vital area. You're just literally trying to yeah. make contact and splatter the yeah, water. Just spray things on him. So I'll move you up. Right. Okay. Eighteen plus stuff. Uh, that'll uh, do. <laughs> okay. So can you roll me a d6? And this is for damage to the spirit, obviously. Yeah. Or. 
Okay, so as you basically palm this vial of holy water onto him, it splinters, the water sprays out. You briefly see this ghostly figure, again, its face cast in this screaming expression as though it's literally like thrown backwards out of Brock and it disappears beyond the door. Brock, obviously you have, you would have seen everything that was going on and be aware of what was going on while you were possessed, but you suddenly feel your control of your body return to you as Weimar's actions cast out this unclean spirit from your body. Sorry about the glass. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spit that out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like, oh, good to be uh, where I was yeah, raised. We <laughs> that foul spirit took took hold temporarily. Okay, Quentin, you've got another of these foul spirits behind you on the walkway. I've also got some more holy water, so I'm going to drink some holy water, nice, and then spray it at its face. Love it. Okay, so I, I am going to ask you for a ranged attack roll. Again, it's only going to be difficulty 10, though, because you're literally just going... No, that's fine. Okay, so you spray this holy water out of the creature, as I've previously said, unaffected by gravity, actually sinks down into the walkway as you spray this water into the space, and then it sort of re-emerges from the stone afterwards. However, look on the bright side, you're probably not going to be possessed in the next turn. Yeah. Given that at least, <laughs> a, a, at least some part of your digestive system is probably coated in holy water. Okay, My Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm, what are you doing? Uh, I am going to run out behind and just swing my sword at this spectre. Is that, is that the green blade you're going uh, in with? Yes, please. Okay, no problems. Uh, right. So that is... Ooh, that's a natural 20 plus 6. Yeah, that'll do it, unsurprisingly. Um, okay, so that's D8, or is that 7? And then the sword is plus 1, I guess. Yeah, so 8 damage total. Okay, you hack into this creature with the enchanted green blade, severing off a huge hunk of the spectral matter that makes up its body. Again, it seems to throw back its head as though it's screaming, but no sound escapes. And as like a large chunk of it falls to the floor, it dissipates and drifts away on the cold wind. There's no chance this is a shape changer, is it? No, it's not a shape changer. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. On, on to the creatures go. So this one drifts through the wall here. And it's going to have a go at you, Brock, since you're the nearest. So let's see what it what it do. Okay, it's not doing anything with that. So again, it flails at you, but you manage to deftly avoid it, perhaps clued into its movements of having very briefly shared your body with it. Then the one here, I'm going to roll a d6. If it's a 1 to 3, it's going to attack Malcolm. Otherwise, it's Quentin. Okay, so it's Malcolm wrong for that that is a 20 so that's going to hit and it does d6 damage so you take one damage however mm -mm -mm. 
you also lose two points of constitution as you feel the cold deathly nature of this creature seem to sap your life force away that's right one hit point as well as the two con was yeah it? one hit point and two con that's correct yeah. perfect yeah luckily cool. for you as it flare like you sort of like threw yourself back and like just the very edge of its claws seemed to pass like a centimeter into your chest but you felt as though like some icy fingertips were like dragging themselves across the surface of your very heart Okay, back over to you guys. Brock and Weimar, what do? Uh, I'm certainly going to take another swing at it. I feel that after that experience that I can make contact with it. Try and dismiss it. Oh, 22. Uh, D10. Plus two. 11 damage. Okay. That is enough to kill the creature. So describe how you finish it off. Uh, well, obviously, that brief encounter with it, um, I discovered it had uh, a bit of a weak spot uh, where the head had joined to the body. Mm-hmm. And making use of that, um, drove my sword through it, sort of decapitated and the rest of it sort of splintered into sort of spectral pieces indeed and as you drive your sword home you your sword appears to partly sort of pass through it as though you suspect had you not spent years training to to fight such creatures you suspect a normal blade would have passed through it and done it no harm but like you say having analyzed its weakness perhaps as a result of your recent experience you drive your sword into it the whole creature appears to explode into a cloud of mist and small water droplets that cascade like rain into the ground around you and it is no more okay what about the rest of you um <clears throat> I'll, I'll try and squeeze past Brock if Brock is amenable to swapping. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. So, was this closed or open? Because they probably just phased through, right? Yeah, they phased through. It's it's closed. You can't see a lock on it. Um, Brock had basically just got to it and put his hand on it. And likewise, Quentin had just put his hand on it when all this kicked off. So it's not actually been opened yet. Yeah, so squeeze past and then put the shoulder to it. Yeah, you smash your shoulder into it. The door flies open, and in the small tower beyond, you see the stairs again heading up and down, made out of the same type of blue white stone. You also see, sort of in the chamber, there are two repeat to be dead bodies lying on the ground, clad as though they might once have been adventurers themselves. You can see gold, what appear to be gold and gems falling out of two large backpacks, one lying by each of the bodies. Um, if I still have enough movement, I would step inside just to hear. That's absolutely and, fine. Uh, uh, Sunsword into the skull. I presume it's skeletal. Yes, it is. You drive the sword into the skull and it shatters it into innumerable pieces and a small waft of dust drifts them. Yep. 
Um, I'm I'm eyeing the further corpse with <laughs> a dark glint to the eye. With dark intent. Mm-hmm. Okay, no problems. So, Quentin and Malcolm, what about yourselves? I'm going to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to throw my last vial of holy water at the bloody thing. Okay, again, it's only difficulty 10. She's just trying to splash water on it. 12. Okay, roll your d6. 1. Okay, so it only gets caught by a tiny splash of the water. Unfortunately, the majority of it going on Malcolm, but um, the bit that does, obviously doesn't do any harm to Malcolm, but the bit that does hit the creature does appear to abrade or like dissolve the edges of some of its wrappings. Okay, Malcolm. Um, so I will uh, attack it now with my green blade. Okay, you will get a plus two bonus because you are covered in holy water. Okay, well I have to tell it that that won't be enough. I need like a plus eight bonus to have any chance of hitting him after that roll. Right, okay, no problem. So perhaps being wary of you because of the fact you're covered in holy water, it sort of drifts out of the way of you moving sort of into the space that was previously occupied by Quentin. It sort of flows backwards out of the way of you as you move forward trying to deal with it. Okay, so if that's you guys all gone, I'm going to roll for this creature. It's going to go for Quentin. Because he's the one, like, doling out the holy death. Alright. So that is a hit. So you take four hit points of damage and also, you lose two constitution points as its spectral talons seemingly pass inside your body. And as I described to Brock for a few moments, you feel like an icy hand is like gripping your heart and squeezing the very life out of you. Okay, back to you guys again. Wymar, what are you doing? Step over here. Sun sword to the skull. Yeah, that doesn't even take an action. You just like <coughs> and smash mm-hmm. the skull. Not a problem. So, so as, you, as you've moved between the two, just to describe the, let's say there's a backpack mm-hmm. by each of them. The one you were stood by previously, it appeared to have like a few gems in it, and there appeared to be like a load of like rolled up scrolls of parchment that had sort of fallen out of this half rotted backpack. The one that you're by now, it appears to be largely like silver and gold coins and a couple of gems it looks as though this figure's wearing like the remnants of armor and maybe has like a weapon on it but it's long since rusted to uselessness so the scrolls were sort of intact enough that they might be like legible yeah seemingly so on this yeah. one so I'll, I'll walk back and i guess i'll use my action to uh, i won't stand in the door but i'll i'll be like by the corpse and i'll i'll get one of the scrolls and just Look at it. Okay, not a problem. You open the scroll, and it appears to be covered in various arcane. So you open the first one you come to. Uh, roll me a d6. Two. Okay, so you open one of the scrolls at random. It appears to be covered in like arcane sigils in some sort of strange language that you don't understand. One thing that does 
jump out at you though is like halfway down this scroll sort of in between the lines of arcane writing is what appears to be a crude drawing of perhaps like some sort of serpent or a snake okay i'll um i'll scoop up the the skulls okay not a problem so you now have five scrolls and it takes you for the rest of your turn to scoop those up so i'm just going to check to make doubly sure that people random people can't read scrolls so let me just have a look No, you wouldn't be able to read those. Okay, so yeah, you've scooped up all those scrolls. How about the rest of you? Uh, I want to attack this guy again. Yep, go for it. Let's see if I can't. Uh, okay, that would be another miss. Okay. Might be all down to Quentin then. <laughs> Unless you um, wanted to switch place with Brock, of course. Yeah, I was going to suggest to Quentin that he might want to step back from that. Yeah, unless he'd have to ask Quentin twice. <laughs> All right, before okay. I ask. So, so I'm imagining Quentin sort of like darts through your legs as you're like... It, as, yes. as he turns to say to Quentin, do you want to move over? He's like, yeah, Quentin's gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, yeah, I shall try the same move that I did on the, uh, the previous... Ghost, uh, Go for so that'd be 22. Yeah, I assume that's a hit. Uh, that is five damage. Okay, describe again how you dispatch this creature. Uh, well, it's, it's going to be exactly the same routine, but this time catching it from uh, behind as it's facing Malcolm. Um, so, yeah. Doing the same manoeuvre and ploughing a sword through the, the weak point that he's now Indeed. perfected. So as, as Quentin darts out of the way and you thunder along the walkway, it's shaking slightly as you move the the creature slowly in this sort of flowing sort of state that it seems to occupy, turns around as it does you drive your sword directly into the centre of it. And again, it emits a silent howl of pain or perhaps rage and bursts apart into this mist, droplets of water cascading down either side of the walkway. You wait for a few moments, catching your breath, but nothing further appears to menace you. Yeah, I check with the others that they seem all right after the, this encounter and being touched by this creature, and then uh, head head through to see where Wymar went. Okay, yeah, obviously feel free to move yourselves. We're not in combat rounds now. You head into the tower where Wymar is, and you can see he's like so. You see the two bodies that I've described. Their skulls are now caved in by the sun sword. Wymar's just like scooping up these um, scrolls. You will have also by now Wymar had the chance to scoop up a couple of large gems each of them 
Quentin will happily tell you is worth about 500 gold pieces. Malcolm, do you want to put them on the tally? Yes. How many is there? Okay. Uh, a couple. Yeah, there's two. There's two gems, each worth 500 gold pieces in the 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 backpack that Wymar's looking at. And Quentin, as you head over to the other body, and like I say, you see a similar rotted backpack. There is 5,000 silver pieces, 1,000 gold pieces, and a couple of gems, one worth 10 gold pieces, and one worth 50 gold pieces. Obviously, these bodies have been here quite some time, then. Yes, they they have. You can see the, the one that Quentin is looking at appears to once been like a warrior. There's the remnants of like rusted beyond repair, sort of plate armor on it, and the rusted remnants of what must have once been a sword, but there's a little more than the handle left now. Hmm. Cool. So we've got her all out up. Yeah, no problem at all. As I said, there's a, a staircase in the centre which leads both up and down. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Weimar and Quentin, probably of interest to you, some of these, <laughs> show them the scrolls. Like, as you can see, uh, great big, I think it's a serpent. And the rest of it, I can't make out. But so I'll, I'll hand them the scrolls if, if you've got the interest. Yeah, obviously you would need someone with the ability to, to work out strange arcane languages to actually read them. Can Quinton? Was it with the read languages skill? Yep. So, yeah, yeah. and I'm not gonna make you make a separate roll for all of them. Just like roll once success okay so it, it'll take you a few minutes because you have to figure it out you're not like fluent in it as you read through these scrolls you see that one of them appears to be a charm designed to to conjure light from the very air itself the one that weimar pointed out to you appears to be a a strange sort of i suppose you could call it a charm it seems to be designed to to render serpents non-hostile. The the third one you look at is a a charm to like dispel evil influences and hostile intent. The fourth one is a is a spell designed to cure sort of fairly minor wounds. And the the last one you can't make it out a hundred percent. It's it's phrased in a very odd way, but it seems partly designed as a sort of charm to help in times of famine but it seems to be like very literal like the charm is designed to like take a, a food animal and make said animal bigger so it provides more food is sort of how it's phrased but it seems to be like some sort of like charm of like to enable you to like enlarge the size of an animal so it could enlarge the size of brock you think it would only work on an animal rather than like a sentient <laughs> creature? Well, he technically is a food source to some animal. Yeah, however, he does not count as an animal himself, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you sure? I've I, seen I, him I like the idea. Wow. <laughs> there, 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 there are many in the, the vaunted halls of the Rohalene who would refer to a, 
an ice walker from the barbaric tribes as an animal, but uh, <laughs> alas, no, not not for arcane purposes. <laughs> yeah, so we've got protection against evil. Yeah, effectively, the scrolls are a a light spell, a snake yeah. charm spell, dispel evil, cure light wounds, and animal growth. And we've also got a I've got a scroll of protection against lycanthropes. Yep. So if we go down and we do encounter anything really bad, we can always try spelling somebody up and see what happens. <clears throat> so the fact that you can make that out, you can actually use them. Is that what it means? Yeah. Ah, cool. So yeah, we, we could spell one of you up and yeah, could hit all kinds of crap. Effectively, the the way I'm working it is the the scroll. Effectively, the magic's already been put into the scroll, so it's ready to go by the act of someone reading the scroll. But you have to be able to not only read it, but you also have to be able to like comprehend the language that's on it. So now Quentin's like worked that out. He can effectively use these scrolls. <laughs> yeah, while well, I was like, take them. <laughs> No use to me, plus my sword is on fire. So, <laughs> as the old song goes, mm -hmm. okay. The so. dispel evil one's going to be quite tasty, as is the light. Yeah, I, I think that might be a, a thing for the spirits as well. Like, if we get more of them, you, you think if you had a little bit, if you're willing to spend a little bit more time. It's just sort of like thinking about the dispel evil one. There seems to be like a few sort of like different ways you could like read or pronounce this charm that you expect might have slightly different effects, but you'd have to spend a bit longer reading the scroll to like work that out. You've basically just like sped read through it and gone like, oh, it's a dispel evil scroll. But you see like there's various different ways you can use it, but you'd have to spend a bit more time reading it to, to work out precisely what those were. You wouldn't have to make a roll, it just take time. Well, I can read it on the move if somebody wants to go ahead. Yeah, can do. Okay, so since you're reading it on the move, I will tell you that basically as you're travelling, you work out this um, scroll house three uses. If you're prepared to like maintain your concentration, you can effectively set up a ward around a small area to prevent sort of evil creatures entering you can target a single creature where you can like banish or destroy like a single entity or you can use it apparently according to the writing on it you can use it to dispel a curse or a possession from someone okay so while quentin's like working that out are you guys heading up or down the stairs do we call it down? Yeah, I think we're going to try that when we go down as far as we can. Okay, no problems. Let me change the old map. And let me reveal the new area. Okay. You 
head down into the the lower level of this tower and you can see you're sort of like keeping track of where you are so you know you must be adjacent to the large square chamber where you saw the four misty figures coalescing out of the the sacrificial pillars there is a stout wooden door in front of you that doesn't seem to have a lock on it but it seems you suspect it leads into that chamber obviously the staircase does continue down i suggest if there's no sign or anything we continue on as quickly as we can yeah leave the door yeah all right so further down okay no problems skipping around my notes Okay. So I, I do have spikes if we want to try and spike something close, but given that there's spirits around, I don't think that's going to be very useful so far, but just to let everyone know. Yep, cool. Okay, so as you guys head down, you notice that the the walls started to become a less worked stone and more sort of a crude and natural stone. And you start to see sort of shards of ice as you get further down. The temperature continues to drop as you move further down into what must now be a sort of cavernous level below the ground level of this this tower you see a large sort of chunk of ice in the the northwest corner of the room and at brock and malcolm as you sort of move down the stairs and you look in the direction of it you can see what appears to be like a dark smudge at the center of the ice as though like something's frozen within it that you can't quite see okay i will approach closer and see if I can see what's in the ice okay you move closer and as you peer through it sort of like trying to see through the the frost that clings to the outside of it you see there appears to be a a soldier of some kind or a warrior of some kind frozen in the center of this block of ice he he looks almost perfectly preserved by the cold temperature and his face is locked in an expression of agony and fear. And what sort of uniform is he wearing? It's it's difficult to tell. Um, Can you please make me a save versus spells? Ooh. That is a fail. Okay, as you peer at this figure in frozen in this block of ice, a translucent version of the figure seems to step out of the body and start moving through the ice towards you. You feel the cold clutch of fear around your heart. And any of you watching, you see as Malcolm appears to age 10 years within an instant. And he also 
will attempt to flee. So obviously you've got two doors which you can potentially flee through or the stairs. Malcolm, you still got some vague control of yourself, although you, you are just filled with an absolute desire to get away from this thing. So where would you like to flee to? Uh, I think I'll flee to this door here, away from him. Okay, not a problem. You, you basically sort of charge through the door, heedless of what may lurk on the other side. As you burst through it, you see what appears to be a long, frozen corridor. You barely take it in as you're sort of running down it but the the dim part of your mind that's not seized by fear as you run into this corridor you notice that frozen into the ice and frost that clings to the wall you notice points of gold and silver glittering amidst the solid ice okay so the rest of you guys you see you see malcolm walk over to this ice with this smudge in it he peers into it then he appears to like visibly age lets out a scream and he charges through this door with a look of absolute terror on his face seemingly heedless of anything around him nothing actually well, came out did it no yeah. um, <clears throat> holding a shield up and sort of just orienting myself so that I know that which way the ice is. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just hold out the sword and I'll, I'll try and see if the sword's magic slash heat is enough to do anything to the ice. The sword flares up in flame as you hold it towards the ice and indeed it does very slowly start to melt the ice. But it's extremely thick, so it's taking like a long time. But it's, yeah, was, you see was... water start to like dribble down the outside of it as the heat's melting it away. So it's entirely guesswork, but based on the uh, details that we can make out or not make out, as the case is here, how thick would I think the ice is as far as like? Do I need to lean on this for an hour to, to get through? Or? You think it's probably going to take, at the current rate, it's probably going to take about 15 minutes to like right. burn through it. Not through the whole thing, but to the point where like you'd have got to like the body inside it. Yeah, basically my idea would have been like press it in until it yep. goes in and then... Okay. Ah. At which point make me a save versus spells. Oh, no. Is, is this magic spells, John? Yep. That's no good. Okay, so... Uh, well, I'll, I'll roll it, but it's going to be terrible because I have a modifier. I need to check that. So, rolling below... Oh, two. Never mind. <laughs> it's it's a-okay. I'll say no if it's a save. It's rolling above, remember. Above? Okay. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's okay. really, really bad. I rolled a zero. So in an echo of what happened to Malcolm, as you're sort of leaning on with the sword and you're sort of melting the ice, you see this body, and again, like a translucent version of this agonised figure seems to like swim out of the body and start moving up through the ice towards you. You also age 10 years 
in an instant and are filled with this utter fear which just causes you to flee from this area but again like Malcolm you've got a bit of choice over where you want to flee to you just want to be away from this thing whatever it is where do you want to run to okay so you sprint. I'll follow Malcolm <laughs> okay so Quentin you're like following after Malcolm being like oh what the hell's going on here like what's he doing as Malcolm's like screaming and running down the the corridor <laughs> then you hear another shriek from behind you you turn around and like Wamar's like peg-legging his way down the corridor again looking absolutely <laughs> terrified and, and a good deal older yeah I should, uh, the beard. I shall back back around the uh the staircase and then head over to where everyone else seems to start okay. running towards okay not a problem quentin what are you doing uh, i'm trying to stop malcolm um, is he still running at full pelt he is still running i'm not gonna make you make a roll to stop him you you can stop him from running and after a few minutes he will regain his composure as this now you're a bit further away from this thing but the sort of sense of fear slowly starts draining out of you is basically like Quentin sort of like grabbed you by the shoulders and is like stopping you from fleeing. And likewise, Weimar, as you're sort of running away, once you get out of sight of this thing, the fear just seems to like drain away from you and you, your your frenzied flight slowly like slows down into like a hobble. And then you sort of like, oh, what was I so scared of? So I think we could assume that, that everybody or seemingly block of ice we come across in this place is going to be a bitch. They seem to all be trapped. People from the past now mm -hmm. twisted into some sort of spectral or hideous form. Cursed. Our predecessor, I think, doesn't really bode well. And uh, and the steps ended at the at this level, didn't they? Yes, they, they did. Yeah. They didn't go further down. Well, there's well, the door. As we're here, let's just fucking go yeah. through that door. There's a door there, so let's okay. investigate. Not a problem. You head up to the door. It's not locked. Are you just pushing it open or? I'll try listening. Okay, make your listen at doors roll. Nope. Okay, you don't hear anything beyond the door. Yeah, fuck it, let's just go in. <laughs> okay, no problems. You start making your way in. As you, Ooh, more ice. as you enter the chamber, again, there is a large chunk of ice in here. There appear to be coins and precious items frozen into the depths of the ice. However, your attention is captured by a section of the floor in this room that appears to have fallen away, and a yawning abyss beckons below. You can hear a faint sort of whistle of wind that seems to be emerging from this dark chasm. No one look at the ice. Okay, what are the rest of you doing? Um, I would like to 
bypass the ice without looking at it and open That's this fine. door. Okay, no problems. I might listen at it first. Sorry. Yeah, mate, you're and wrong. Learn my lessons. <laughs> and I hear nothing. <clears throat> okay. So I'll open this. Yep, you open the the door and you see into an irregularly shaped chamber beyond which again appear it appears to be largely devoid of anything of interest. It's a naturally formed ice cavern. What's Brock up to? Um, well, he was waiting to see the success of either route that they were taking. Um, again, he's he's wary that Quintins were wandering off into danger. Um, so I'm going to stand just inside the door and keep an eye on him. No problems. How about yourself, Wymore? I guess I'm the rear guard. Okay. Well, we're not in combat round, so you guys can carry on as you see fit. Got to light a torch and throw it into the chasm. Okay, you light a torch, obviously cross it off your, your inventory. You throw it into the chasm. You watch as it sort of falls down and the light, first bright, fades away and disappears. You wait, but you don't hear the sound of it hitting the bottom. It's a long way down. Okay, I shall move to the other door. And okay. Just open it. <laughs> no roots. again it opens into an irregularly shaped chamber with another one of these large sort of so it's icy like stalagmites in the center of the room no for exit no you can see I'm going to keep by this wall here. Okay. As you, start, about there. as you start making your way around the walls, there is a loud cracking sound and a huge chunk of the icy stalagmite breaks off, sort of crashing into the floor with a loud echoing noise. As it does, you see sort of specks and spots of like water and ice and what appears to be some sort of like mist drift up into the air. Well, I'll back this way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. You make it back to the door as you watch the, the mist sort of drifts up into the air for a bit and then falls down as water droplets to the floor. So it's fallen away again. Indeed. Okay. Right, there's something in the ice in there. And when you step through, it starts to turn into a mist. Did you see any other exits in the room? I couldn't see. I didn't see. I didn't find it. I got 
halfway along the wall before it started to decide to come out again, but then it went away when I left. Hmm. I'll maybe leave that if see if we've got another option first. Um, if I step into this room, does anything happen? Okay, you step into the room, nothing obvious happens to bedevil you or cause you any difficulties. Okay. And there's no other obvious exits from the room, is there? Not that you can see. Okay. You have a quick glance around, you don't see any obvious exits. There's obviously the double doors in the original staircase room. Yeah. As long as uh, everyone keeps away from that block of ice that you seem to fear so much. I'm going to go to there, John. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to try and look for secret doors. Not looking for secret doors. Okay. Of course, it's been a, been a long time since anyone's done that. Okay, <laughs> so we're going on a find secret doors, which is, I believe, a, a one in six. Yeah, and I rolled a six. So. Okay. So as you are searching around, it takes a fair while, but you said you were you were searching, so I presume you're taking your time. You're a thief. Yeah. You yeah. know that like hidden stuff takes that time to find. Mm -hmm. As you're searching around, you do indeed find what appears to be a concealed door sort of there. Yeah. At, at first, it just appears like a slight indentation in the sort of frozen wall. And then as you look at it, you realize there's actually like a very cunningly designed sort of seam designed to blend in with the ice. Yeah. And has that mist tried to form up again? Nope. Do I need to open the secret door? Or Yep. You, you sort of... <laughs> fill around the seam and eventually you locate a, a small hidden catch and as you press on it this secret door springs open revealing a chamber beyond again it's another sort of natural chamber you peer into it you don't see anything of obvious interest in there Okay. Uh, Brock, I'm going into this secret room. Okay. I, shall, uh, I shall see if I can creep along this wall. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye on this sort of doorway or make sure it doesn't close behind him. Or... Okay, and you are wise to have done so because as Quentin steps through the door, as though propelled by like a, a hidden spring, goes to like swing shut. And grab it. Okay, so it's not going to be strength. This is going to be like dex to see if you're like quick enough to grab it. Because it's literally like. Okay. Uh, okay. Check. Yep. Oh, so you're trying to get uh, to under your dex. Yep. Yep. Made that. Okay, so you grab hold of the door, and luckily for you, you're quite strong because it's obviously designed to like slam shut. But you've grabbed hold of it and held it open. Obviously, Quentin, you turned around when you heard the door swinging shut. You can see Brock's like 
bracing himself like in the gap of the door holding it open and as he's doing so in the room beyond the room that you're now in you hear a I'll get back out of there so we can get hell out of this room okay as you as you duck out of there you catch the vaguest whiff of like a sort of horrible like toxic smell as though some sort of invisible gas was being released in the room Quentin like, dives back through the door. Brock. Close it. Uh, I'll just step step back out of the room and just let it Yeah, you let spring. it go. The door slams shut and the of the poisonous gas is cut off as it is contained in the room. Let's get Malcolm the fuck out of that room. Speaking of Malcolm, yeah. what's Malcolm up to? Can I, meanwhile, have been looking for secret doors in my room? Yeah, make a roll. Uh, okay. So I've gotten a five, which is a success for me because okay. I'm enough. Indeed, you are. Okay, so as you're searching around, you also find a similarly concealed door in the far wall of the chamber that you're exploring. Again, camouflaged to fit in with the ice that surrounds it. Um, so I'll call out that I found a secret door, and then I'll try and open it. Okay, yeah, not a problem. It doesn't. It's a little bit stiff because it's like slightly frozen, but you do manage to open it, and you see into another natural chamber beyond. However. On the floor of this chamber, you can see what appeared to be three coffins. Okay. Yeah, with a, the, the shout of Malcolm to say now, I'm going to run back through after the experience of the last one. Shout and be careful the door's not trapped. Um, I think I found the vampires. Did, uh, to him. Did Weimar had some spikes? Did he not? We could try and mm -hmm. got some stakes. spike the door open. Yeah, obviously. I have stakes too. And garlic. Got garlic, silver, stakes, oil. Okay, I so mean, if if we were to try and um, put the stakes on the uh, stakes. Were the coffins on the floor, did you say, John? Indeed they are. Yeah. I wonder if we could sort of almost contain them inside it and try and drive a stake f through uh, the coffin in the off chance there's something, something in there without even having to open them. I don't know if that would work. Try and keep them in there and set fire to it or something. If only we had a an continuously replenishing source of fire. Indeed. <laughs> if only. Um, yeah, I mean, you can obviously set fire to it, but is that going to do the necessary? It's not going to do them any good, I'm sure, but. 
it definitely feels like we should just open one and then some sword to the head and a stake to the chest and then move on. But once you've owned it, can it not come out in some sort of different form or how about I just stick the sun sword straight through the coffin where the head should be? And you do raise a very good point as well, Brock. Obviously, you're in like the deep catacombs of this like castle. There's no like sunlight down here. Hmm. Could we not try and like seal it shut or at least hold it shut while yeah? Why must thrust the sword through? Well, if I think if why must or... thrust the sword straight through, and Malcolm thrust the sword straight through. See and we make a stake what's left. Do different ones or do the same one? Just do the same one and then move on to the next one, then the next one. And certainly we could um, make a hole in it and stick in some of the garlic. Previously that yielded great results. Um, so we both try and stab it where we think... Uh, Everybody make with the stabby stabby and then we'll yeah. stick a steak in it. Then we can just stick a bit of garlic in. A bit of mashed garlic. Okay, yeah, so Weimar and uh, Malcolm put your put yourselves next to whichever coffin you're going to stab your swords into. Dealer's choice, what you reckon? I mean the the closest one to the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try and hold the coffin lid down in case someone, like, if there is something in there and it tries to come up or break out. Yep, no problem. Try and hold it down. Move yourself up next to it as well. Yep. Come this side. Okay, so you you both thrust your swords through the the, the fairly damp slightly rotten wooden lid of this coffin it's not terribly difficult the the sun sword is a light with its purifying flame as it goes in sort of scorching the wood you hear an ear piercing scream of pain from inside the coffin and the coffin sort of starts moving a little bit as whatever's inside is thrashing about but you've got brock like holding the lid down and this thing's being like stabbed by two enchanted swords so it's not really at its best, shall we say. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make a d6 roll to see whether the screaming of this wakes the, the inhabitants of the other coffin. So it'll be a 1 or 2 on a d6. No, it doesn't wake them. So yeah, after a few moments you, of you like thrusting your swords into this, a faint wisp of smoke... So start seeping out through the two holes that you made in the top with the swords. And the screaming dies away. Garlic. <laughs> so let's sort of... Brock lifted a little bit, stuffing some garlic just for good measure. And we'll, we'll see. Okay, so Brock, as you sort of lift the lid up a bit and wang a load of garlic in, obviously cross out of your carriage sheet, you, you wang a load in. You gain a brief impression of a jumble of rotted bones and ash as you like sling a load of garlic and slam the lid back down. So I'll cross that off, Brock, so you don't need to use your own stuff. Do the next one. And have we got any other means of 
stopping the other one from getting out. If it wakes it up, because that was quite loud. Um, previously, we did succeed in holding the lid closed, as we just did, without the sword piercing. So I don't quite understand how that works, and if that's going to be a different situation here, but that's what happened last time. Uh, we actually managed to keep it closed without the swords. So maybe you'll be enough, Brock, but I, I can't guarantee it. All I meant is, should I hold the other one that you're not attacking? Yes. So that, mm. you know, it doesn't get involved if if it wakes up or try to idea. stop it. Yeah. It's not a bad okay. idea. So I'm going to go to this top one. If there isn't any reaction, then I'll come back okay. you know, to you guys. But if there is, then I can try and at least delay it. Or... Okay, so... Weimar and Malcolm, you again plunge your swords into this second coffin. Again, there is an ear-splittingly high-pitched screech as both the green blade and the sun sword thrust into this coffin and smoke starts, ash starts seeping up through the holes that you've made in the lid. Brock, can you make me a strength check, please? Let's try that. Uh, oh, a four. Nice. Okay, so the obviously the coffin that Weimar and Malcolm are like thrusting the sword into also starts thrashing around, but they've pretty much like dealt with that. However, the coffin that you're sort of by suddenly starts to like thrash around. You hold the lid on, you're sort of putting all your weight on top of it, and then the coffin you're holding goes very still. And you notice from the under the edges of the the lid of the coffin, a mist starts to seep out. Of the coffin. Holy water at it. Well, uh, the mist. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I shall uh, use that. Um, what is it called? Bosun's balm, or whatever the the holy water concoction that I've been oh, carrying. The breath of truth. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, breath of true, isn't it? So, obviously, um, cross that off your sheet. You yep. you hurl the vial of the breath of truth at this forming mist. The vial passes straight through the mist, hits the wall beyond it, and shatters and spraying the wall in the concoction. It has no noticeable effect on the mist. So uh, something's seeping out of this coffin while the others are hacking at this or stabbing at this coffin. I'll step back and sort of drawn, sort of watching to see if it forms into a different form or if it moves away. Okay. And indeed, as you rightfully surmised as the rest of you watch, Behind Brock, the mist suddenly gathers up into the form of a faint Nosferatu-like figure wearing all black clothes with elongated fingers, each with an extra digit on it, a bold, pallid head with just a few wisps of grey hair and large, protruding fangs. In less than a, a split second, it gathers up and forms behind Brock and then lunges at its neck, with its fangs and its talons. 
So I'm gonna make a roll for that. Let's see what's it's plus. So that's an eighteen. Is that enough, Brock? It's exactly eighteen. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you take nine hit points of damage from this thing, and. Also, as it bites into you, you lose three points of constitution as you feel its fangs sort of bite into your muscular neck and its claws grab hold of you, almost like a grotesque parody of an embrace as it grabs you and sinks its fangs in. Okay, as, as I'm assuming you've all, you're all guessing, we're... We're into combat rounds. We are going to do initiative in this one because it's it's important. So, if one of you wants to roll me a d6, I'd, I'd suggest Brock because you're in the sort of firing line. Okay. I'm, on, I'm on a five. Oh, no, one. Okay, so it's going to go first, so it's going to attack you again, unsurprisingly. That is more than it got last time, so that'll hit. So, you take five hit points of damage and you lose three constitution again is this um is this permanent or possibly uh, you, you would you would get your any no. ability the disability score loss would return after like a day's rest like okay in, so in I'll, I'll knock it down but but i'm losing hit points i yeah. take it if you lost constitution bonuses if you're no, you wouldn't. You just lose the constitution. Oh, okay. It's just basically that obviously, if you get no, no, no matter how hard you are, you're only going to have like 18 in your attribute. So yeah, yeah. if you lose all of that, obviously you're still just as dead as if you'd lost your hit points. Yeah. So rather than the level drain it, it makes them more dangerous in the short term. But if you can get rest, you can recover rather than having to like slog your way back up to regain the XP to get your levels back. Well, yeah, you guys can see this thing as it's sort of like. It's basically pulling Brock tighter towards it. It's like behind him. You can just see its head over his shoulder with its two large fangs sank into his neck. Like Brock's going like quite pallid and sort of like a little bit like a little bit drained as though it's like sucking the very life essence out of him. Over to you guys. Am I able to gather myself to make an attack on it? Yeah, the, the sort of it grabbing you and draining your blood is just like the flavour text. You can still move and do your, your attacks and whatnot. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to try and plunge my sword back through it. Uh, 17. Is that enough? That is exactly what you need to hit him. Oof, okay. And that is four damage. Okay, not a problem. So you stab sort of under your arm with your sword. You feel it bite into the creature, causing a, a minor wound to it. It sort of hisses and like pushes you away, sort of like relinquishing its grasp on you as it's trying to just sort of like get you away from it because you've just stabbed it. Yeah. And you sort of stumble forwards, feeling a little bit weaker from the, the vitality that's been drained from you. Who's next? Uh, I'll go next. I'll just move in and swing my green blade. Um, 
I'm presuming this is not a shapeshifter either. It is a shapeshifter. Vampires can shift shape. Oh, okay. Awesome. Okay, so that is... In fact, you guys are probably like the ideal team to actually take on vampires because they're shapeshifters and they're undead. <laughs> uh, you say that, but I'm not sure I'm after hitting. Um, 16 is a miss, is it? Yeah, 17 needed to, to go. Okay. Okay, so you lash out at it with the, the green blade, but it seems to flow backwards with an eerie gracefulness, avoiding your blows. Okay, Wymo, I see you've seen all this unfolding. Speaking of eerie grace, um, I roll over this coffin like it was the front of a car. Nice. Um, <laughs> shabbily land on the other side, get my sword out and sort of like run forward <laughs> with, a, with a stabbing motion uh, towards the vampire. Uh, now... I think this might be the undead kind of vampire, John. Oh, oh yeah, most definitely. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not one of those faux-like like science vampires. It's a, no. It's no. a proper old-school vampire. These yeah, ones the... don't sparkle. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this one is, like, duo-toned. It's just, you know, black and white. No... <laughs> um, right, so things come into play now that it's undead. Okay, we got that, and then we've got the juiced up gauntlets. We've got uh... right. Okay, I think this might be the thing that we always run up against, and I haven't, I haven't put it down on my sheet here. Okay. So the sun sword is how much against the undead? I had it on the old ship, but not on it's this. It's all right. One. Let me just check. It's on the. Uh... It's on the special item sheet. Um, oh, that's right. Plus three to hit and damage versus undead. Yes. Okay, good. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I no forgot worries. about the, the tabs there. It's all right. Um, it's, a, it's, a it's a fairly recent edition, so don't blame me. Yeah. I, I never remember because I had to look up the sun sword earlier on. Mm. Okay, so plus three gauntlets. Raw skill. Okay, let's go. Um, so that is over 20 something. Yeah, that, that'll do. So roll your damage. Um, and it's three, three. And the damage is eight. Okay, good. There we go. So that is a, uh, a graceful 13 damage. Oof. So I just like come with the sword, um, and just like full body weight, just like lean into <laughs> the thing, just trying to skewer it. Yep, you cleave into this creature, sort of turgid blood gouts out of the massive wound you inflict on it. It hisses like a wounded animal, sort of flailing at you with its claws, but not hitting you. You have severely damaged it. You see this thick, turgid blood leaking from it, but it is still moving. Okay. Quentin, I believe you've got anyone left. There's not a lot I can do without hitting somebody, so I'll just wait. <laughs> okay, no problem. So, next round, one of you guys, Rock, do you want to roll for initiative again? 
I'm on a six. Oh, five. Okay. Right, it's going to go for Weimar this time because he's just like done the like, big daddy damage to it. <laughs> New challenger has arrived. <laughs> That's it. Player two has entered the game. <laughs> okay, that is over 20. Yep, that that'll it. be a tag. Okay, so you take seven hit points of damage. You also lose four constitution. That is, that is many you. constitution. And then. Oh, boy. I'm going to need to dig up the stat. And as it, as it rakes you with its claws and you feel your life sort of ebbing away, it hisses at you under its breath and says, You are already too late. The Scarlet Empress will arise. And then it almost languidly licks some of your blood off its one of its extra digited fingers. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so since I dropped to minus one con modifier now, is that going to knock off a hit point per uh, level? No, no. You, don't worry about recalculating your hit points or anything. It's just mm. the the stat. Right, so, okay. so as long as you've got like, as long as you're not into like minus con, you're good. Yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. But I was I was about to say like that almost like one shot me from four. Yeah. Full <laughs> health if it drops the. If, yeah. if you lose attribute bonuses for the purposes of this, you don't have to like recalculate anything. Yeah. It's just yeah. like basically yeah. another sort of like measure of how much damage you're taking. Yep. Good. Okay. Well, not good, but still alive. <laughs> better than the alternative. Okay, so it's on to you guys. Okay, green blade time. Oh, that'll do us. 21. Okay, what it did. Oh, for a pathetic six points of damage. Okay, you score a shallow wound on the creature. And as you're attacking it, you notice that some of this sort of like the shallow cuts and grazes it had got a slowly sort of like closing over as time's passing. Who's next? Should swing at it. Yeah, I should swing at it once again. Oh, no. 11. Okay. So there's just one more then. <laughs> yeah. Um, recoiling from the, the horrific <laughs> attack. Um, I think it's a it's a sort of like wild backswing because um, Weimar is just like seeing stars now. Um, here we go. Okay, that's that's still twenty something. Yeah, that's still it. Yeah, um, twelve. Okay. Okay, you again score a vicious blow to this creature. Blood gouts into the air from its horrendous wound. It's sort of it's trying to like hold a part of its chest in with one long clawed hand as it's sort of like falling back a little bit, but it's still moving. So <laughs> when was 
like feebly putting up the shield for the next strike. He's like, that's fine. I can do this all day. <laughs> oh. Oh. That, that's my secret. I'm always on one hit point. Yeah, I do my best work at near death. Uh, okay. Anything from Quentin or are you? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so obviously the vampire's gone, so we're going to go on to the the next round. Again, some of its minor wounds close over. And we're going to roll for initiative again. Brock, do you want to roll for you guys? Third time lucky. I'm on a three. A five. Okay, you guys are going first. Um, John, can I cult my sword in garlic? You could, however, to adequately coat it, I, I would say that would be like your action for the round. It's not a case of just like grabbing a clove and going, like, if you want to coat it, right. you're going to have to, like, we need to make oils for this, guys. Next yeah, time. Yeah. Next castle. Yeah, but Next e- even, even applying like an oil properly, as, as any thief worth their salt who's used a poison weapon would tell you, does take a while to apply. You're not just like, and then you go for it. Yeah. Okay, I'll just swing my sword, so. Yeah, we... oh, that's a miss. Okay. Okay, I shall uh, try once again. Oh, that'll definitely do it. A 20. Okay. Uh, six damage. Okay. You drive this thing back under a flurry of strong, vicious blows. It's basically like crouched against the wall now in that sort of hammer horror, like I'm holding up my hand to ward away the sun sort of deal. But it is still clinging in there somehow tenaciously to whatever blasphemous shadow of life it exists in. Should gesture forward the man with the, the sun. <laughs> the pocket sun? Ah! Um, I mean, yeah, let's, let's, this is the one where I, um, don't hit, right? Don't say that. Well, um. Roll with advantage. Now I I actually need to, uh, calculate. Yeah, is it, is it like prone or something, John? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're looking at a, a lousy 13. That's not enough, I'm afraid. Yep. Anyone left who's going? Okay. So it's on to its turn. Um, I'm just going to roll to see where it attacks. One to two, it's Brock. Three to four, it's Malcolm. Five to six, it's Weimar. So it's Malcolm. That is going to hit. So you have taken a mighty one hit point of damage. And seven points of constitution. Okay. Bloody hell, it's hungry. As again, it lunges forward as though perhaps sensing its end is near, and it just literally like flies at Malcolm from the front, wraps its arms around its, his back, sinking its talons in, and bites into his neck. And Going feral. Indeed. Then we're on to the next round. So, initiative again. I'm on a four. Five. Okay, you guys go first. 
Malcolm, you want to push it off? I try. Some oh, revenge. that'll do. Revenge is due. Uh, so that's an 18 on the die. So. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, here we go. Oh, six points of damage. And luckily for you, six points is exactly what it had. So describe how you dispatch this creature with your final <coughs> blow. Um, so I guess it's kind of, um, as it's kind of hugging me, eating my neck, I'm just kind of around the back, just jabbing it into it. Um, kind of hu I'm hugging it back with my sword. Um, okay, it's so it's just bleeding out. As you're sort of stabbing it, it's flesh and its body starts to decompose and age rapidly, crumbling to dust as it sort of like almost like slumps forward on you as it's falling to pieces as the weight of years finally catches up with it. The last thing it does before it crumbles into dust and just collapses to the floor, its head sort of like next to your ear, Malcolm, where it's been biting into your neck, and you just hear a faint sort of gurgled voice, and it's like, is woman is already gone and then it's like crumbles to dust as its jawbone drops off and it falls to the ground as a collection of mouldering bones and ash okay and the vampire is no more um okay so i think could drop some garlic on it and step on it for Good measure. Yep, yep. Spray it with the juice. Yeah, um, not a problem. You like scatter ninja star cloves of garlic onto its corpse and like stamp what few remaining bones there are into a fine powder. Yeah, Carl traps? No, cloves <laughs> of garlic. <laughs> um, and I guess we'll open the, all the coffins and make sure the other two are dead. And yeah, you open the other two coffins that you've like wanged garlic in, etc. And you just see again like a thin coating of ash. And the odd sort of slightly recognisable chunk of bone. Okay. Um, okay. Should we move on? Okay, so what I'm going to suggest here, we do here, guys, is we have a five-minute comfort break. Go and refresh your drinks, use the facilities, etc. Have a think about what you want to do next. We'll come back in five minutes, and then we'll crack on, if that's all right with everybody. Yep, yeah, cool. cool. Okay, back in five, then. Well, I thought that was getting a bit dicey then against those vampires. <laughs> it's the problem with vampires, mate. They've got so much of an arsenal, it's unbelievable. Yeah, man. On the upside, though, because this one was underground, at least it couldn't like, summon loads of direwolves from like, anywhere. 
Yeah, and we'd already kill its two mates. So. Yeah. I thought that was quite a good planning on your guys' part because I'll see if you just sort of rumbled in there and went, oh, there's three of them after us. <laughs> okay, then, guys. So you have finished off the, the three vampires. They are now naught but ash and crumbled, corrupted bone. What do you want to do next? It's pressed on, isn't it? I think so. I mean, I know we're yeah. all a little bit worse for wear. But... Okay, well, feel Head free back. to move yourself where you're going. Head back to the staircase, avoiding the block of ice. Okay, yeah, no and let's we try this western door. Yeah. Okay. So Quentin as the the first person to reach the western door. Again it's a, a sort of standard like wooden door. Nothing particularly remarkable about it. What are you doing? I will have a listen. Okay, make you wrong. Or at least attempt to have a listen. It's a six. Okay, you're listening, you don't hear anything beyond the door. Yeah. So I will, I'll slowly give it a push. Okay. As soon as all the parties in the same area. Okay, you push the door open and reveal another icy chamber beyond. Alright, I've got to check this door for traps. Okay, not a problem. That would be a, a rumour trap, so make your roll. Let me know if you succeed. Nope. Okay, you don't find any obvious traps on the door. Takes you a few minutes of searching. Well, we know what happened last time, Brock, so I'm going to go through this door, and if that one springs short, you just grab hold of it. Okay, I shall prepare myself. Okay. In case such an event should happen. So, Quentin, you step through the door, and you hold your breath for a few moments, wary of what happened previously. But the door does not slam shut. There is no hissing of gas. Nothing appears to manage you. Okay. I will now check the floor for traps. Okay. Again, make a room straps roll. Or you nope. can you can do it without a roll if you wish, but it will take you a long time because you're literally like crawling over like every area with a fine tooth comb. I don't think we've got the time to. Okay. <clears throat> given the fact that the Barbarian army was a bit worse for wear last time. And speaking of which, Brock, can you roll me a d6? Six! Okay, so although it is unseen by you guys down in the depths, the fury of the Ice Walkers to this evil arcane bedevilment this witchery 
that has been used against them has spurred them to greater heights of heroism and violence. And they have now started to break out of the encirclement that the undead army had trapped them in. And they've started to break through that wall, making a beeline for the commanders, the sorcerous lieutenants of the undead horde. But you can't see any of this because you're down in the, the basement level. I feel it. I sense it. Indeed. Perhaps you sense gonna... a subtle change in the wind. The drums. Drums in the deep. Well, outside. I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cross the room, John, to this door. Okay. Okay. As you cross to the door, there is suddenly a creaking noise and a pit opens up underneath you, dropping you down into it. You, nice. you take. Let's see, it's 20 feet deep, so you take, you take five hit points of damage as you hit the bottom of this sort of icy pit in front of the door. I'm just going to move you so I can draw a, uh, a little thing to, to note that. Let's, let's draw a red square for it. There we go. Obviously, you can climb back out of it. It's not that deep. Yeah, yeah. Climb back out. You scramble out of it. However, perhaps the thing that distracted you and uh, led to the you falling into the pit was that you noticed on the door to the, the chamber beyond there appears to be some ancient Senna writing on the door, which I believe... As we'd said previously, you've now puzzled out enough of the Santa hieroglyphs to be able to read it without a roll. And as you peer at it, sort of heaving yourself out of this pit, you sort of run your fingers over them because they're a little bit sort of defaced and old. It says, beyond this portal lies the entrance to the pit itself. Do not enter for fear of your soul. Literal pit from a pit. <laughs> There's a center writing on the door, Malcolm. Says okay. Do answer. Let's head home, son. So, yeah, basically, we're heading into an even bigger pit. Okay. Should we open the door and see what it looks like? Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Okay. I'm moving. <laughs> so you open the, the doorway to a chamber beyond a longer frozen chamber and as you look to the left as you walk through the door Quentin you see again a large black yawning cavernous abyss in the centre of the room but as you open the doorway the first thing that you notice is the sound of almost monastic chanting sort of drifting 
towards you and you see three vampiric pale creatures dressed all in black but this time robes each of them holding a curved sacrificial dagger sort of chanting and raising their hands and making strange gestures at the sides of the pit and on this one here that I've just uh, moved you yep. can see lying at the feet of that vampiric creature is none other than the body of Alan Rivar. and as they chant you notice what appeared to be motes of blood red light sort of zooming up out of the abyss rather like that bit in Ghostbusters where you see the building and all the lights are going up into the air and each time they chant one of these motes of light zooms out of the abyss and hits the body of Lan Rivar, seeming to be absorbed into her form and her body shakes as though undergoing some sort of spasms I'm going to throw the assassin blade at the one with Lan at its feet okay not a problem make your range attack wrong does it count as a uh, sneak? Yes, very much so. Got sixteen total. Okay, unfortunately, you need a seventeen to hit these creatures. Yeah. So the assassin's blade whistles past its shoulder, which unfortunately alerts them to the fact that there are people there. That's fine. Hopefully it stops the chanting for a minute. The the one on your side of the, the rift does indeed stop chanting. It turns around with like a... <laughs> bearing its fangs. It makes a gesture out to its side with its hand and the other two continue their chanting. Sort of running I'll just with shout vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you okay. will see Quentin step through this door and the, you hear this chanting and then it's like a... <laughs> vampires! Okay. Oh, so. and land. <laughs> um, I will come through to here. Okay. Um, and I'll try and shoot this one here with uh, a silver arrow that's been dipped in garlic. Okay, go for it. And here we go. 17. Okay. The silver arrow hits it and although it seems sort of it, its nose crinkles in disgust at the garlic and it sort of throws the arrow off it it doesn't actually appear to have done any harm okay did it stop chanting it did briefly but it has resumed okay it was literally just like and then carried on okay okay Brock and Weimar what are you guys doing uh, I'm going to start running towards the uh, shout from Quentin and that. Uh, so I'm going to just move double if I run. Yep. This turn. I'll put a little sword icon there for that lamp. I'll basically just get to the side of Malcolm. Okay, you yeah. see the scene as I've described. Why not? Okay, so I'm going to ask you, Brock, at the start of each round, I'm going to ask you to do it once now and then at the start of each round, I'm going to ask you to roll me a d12 to track the progress of this 
dark ritual they're doing. On the f on this roll, it's only finished if you get a one on a d12. Next round, it's one or two. Round after, it's one, two, or three. Y you get the drift. Yeah. So if you want to roll a d12 now, anything but one, you're golden. Okay, let's clean up. Not this turn. Okay. So we're on to initiative then. I'm in a mighty one, so anything but one, you're laughing. I get a plus two. Yeah, go for it. Quentin. Five total. Okay, so you guys are going first. Uh, I will walk up to here and smack this first vampire. Okay. <laughs> or attempt to. Okay, so that's that's a miss. Okay. Brock. Uh, yeah, I can't actually get to him this turn, so I'm gonna um, chuck a spear at him as I okay. move towards him, and then uh, attack him next turn. Oof. Nah, that'd be a miss. That's like an eight or nine. Okay. Nope. I'm gonna ask you to roll me a d6. If you get a one, your spear has fallen into the abyss. Okay. Uh, not, not yet. Okay, you're fine, so you can retrieve that afterwards. Okay. Okay, Weimar and Quentin. Finish, move to there, and then shoot this one uh, on the opposite side of the abyss. So one of the chanting ones, closest okay. one to you. Yeah, so that one. Go for it. That's a miss. Okay. Looks like it's all down to Weimar and his pocket rocket. Well, said said rocket is going to be made of mm. glass. Um, so one, two. Wait, I I was here. I think yeah. So one, two, three. Yeah, so I can make it there. So um, holy water on on your boy here. Okay, make your attack. Uh, so that'd be 12. That's fine, you only need a 10 to hit him with uh, Holy Water. Right, 6 Five. Okay, so the creature hisses in pain as the Holy Water eats into it as though it was some sort of acidic compound. Okay, on to the vampires. So... This one down here is going to keep chanting. This one here sort of leaps and almost seems to like fly over the gap. So I'm going to roll for this one, see whether it attacks Brock or Weimar. One to three, it's Bring it. Brock. Or as it's Weimar, it's Brock. <laughs> and there's a natural 20, so that's definitely a hit. Okay, so you take. Eight hit points of damage, and you also take six constitution damage. Oof, nearly wipes him out. Okay. As again, it sort of it flows towards you and sort of pounces on the front of you and sinks its fangs into your neck. And then we've got this one here, which is going to go for Malcolm, and it's going to hit. So it is. Nine hit points of damage. 
and five constitution. Uh, sorry, say that again. Nine, hit, nine points. hit points of damage and five constitution. Okay, so I am dead. Okay. No, I'm not. Oh, oh sorry, five. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, and so, dead. This creature bears Malcolm down to the ground, drinking his lifeblood. Is there any chance I could have dived into the pit with him? Do, do, do you know what? Normally, normally no, but that's so like cool sounding. I will, do, I will say, if you can make me a strength roll, I will say that since you're pretty near the pit, I'll say your last act as it was sort of feeding on you, and you could feel your life flowing, that you like pull it down into the pit with you. Now that that won't kill the vampire, I will tell you, but it would potentially mean like it'd be out of this combat because it'll obviously have to like climb back up out of the pit. Yeah, well, I didn't manage to strength check, so don't worry about it. Okay, no problem. So I'm going to say that you managed to like, drag it back almost to the lip of it. You guys see something like Malcolm with the last of his uh, breath, heroically trying to pull this thing over the edge, but just on the cusp of the the abyss, it takes him down to the floor, and it sort of falls on him like a ravenous beast. Okay, so initiative again, guys, and obviously D12 roll from yourself, Brock. We're on five for initiative. Okay, you guys are going first. Got six. Okay. Uh, I'm going to attack this one. Oh no, that is horrible. Okay. That's definitely a miss. One more. Okay. Sound sword comes out. And 16 misses, right? Yeah, 17 you need. Great. Okay. Quentin? Uh, I'm going to use a scroll of um, evil protection. Oh, dispel evil? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to use it on land. Okay. So, are you using it to... Protect to and... land. Okay. It's basically... Yeah. Dispel this thing. So that's effectively, going you into. dispel the curse. Yeah. Okay, and that is not a problem. So, for your action for the round, you pull out this scroll. As you intone the words, the scroll like bursts into flame and disappears. As the magic is released, the the sort of red light motes that have been passing into Lan seem to all be like pulled out of her and then they get sucked down into the abyss. The creature that is feeding on Malcolm suddenly stands up, looks around, and it's like, no! Fuck you. The, the body of Lan lies still, but the sort of dark vitality and sort of evil energy that was flowing into her appears to have been like forced back into the abyss from where it came. Obviously, cross off your scroll. You no longer need to make rolls for the for the ceremony, bro. Mm -hmm. 
Unfortunately, that does mean the third vampire doesn't need to carry enchanted anymore. But... Yeah, well, you know, if you're going to go, save something. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Okay, so has everyone gone this round? Yep. Right, yep. initiative them. I'm on a mighty two. We're on five. Okay, you guys first. Um, move to there and shoot the one over Malcolm's body with a silver arrow. Okay, go for it. Uh, it's a total of 13, so it's a miss. Yep, your arrow flies past it. Yep. Okay, Weimar and Brock. Rocky, you want to go first? Yeah, I knew these are injured, aren't they? No, the one in no. front of me is. Oh, got, one of oh, it is. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. All right, I'll attack that one. Then. It's basically got some like cinematic like scarring down one side of his face from the early water. Yeah, I only got a fifteen. Okay. Yep. No. So on to the vampires. This one well, here. I'll, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll go ahead. Do mine as well. Sorry, my apologies. So, yeah, no, no problem. So this guy, and uh, I'm trying to fence it into the pit, but let's see what happens. No, even worse. Oh no, this is this is the uh, this is the end. <laughs> okay. So for the the vampires, this one is going to carry on feeding on Malcolm, and you you might be wrong, uh, Brock and uh, Weimar. Because obviously you're like you're fighting this creature, you're only seeing like glimpses of what's going on past it. But it almost looks as though like the creature's trying to feed some of its own blood into like, Malcolm's mouth. Ah, bollocks. This one is going to move around here. So we'll have one on Brock and one on Weimar. So the one on Brock hits. You take four hit points of damage. Yeah, that don't matter. <laughs> you take six hit constitution damage. <laughs> that fucking very much does. <laughs> when I took six last time. That's uh, 18 constitution I've lost. So that's uh, well and truly over the top. <laughs> yeah. How are okay. you doing there, <laughs> big Brock? I've had better days. Welcome to the land of vampirism. I, I presume that's broke down, is it? Yeah, he only had 14. Yeah. Okay, no problems. So, yeah, Brock goes down with one of these creatures on top of it. Our characters are looking pretty tasty, though, Malcolm. I've got to be honest. <laughs> well, that's it. You guys, you guys might be the villains for the next characters. <laughs> yeah, no, this is... I'm, like... They tag me once and I'm gone. So. Okay, so the one on one on. This is speaking of it misses, <laughs> it misses. Indeed, praise Gail. Indeed, right on to initiative them. Four. We're on five again. Okay, on to you guys. <sighs> well, Quentin has a a great. Uh, view of our line just collapsing entirely. <laughs> <clears throat> Who 
Who's left? Is it just Weimar? Just you, you, you and me. Weimar. You and me. Oh, and these guys are going to come up soon as vampires. Yeah. yeah. I can maybe I, save Brock. I, I, I'm imagining Weimar being like, oh, what should we do, Quentin? What should we do? Just yeah, no, I, 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 I think, I think, because um, traditionally Quentin's been uh, going first here, but I, I think Weimar is just sort of like, he's he's done the grim math already. Uh, and uh, is looking at Quentin as if to say, like, fly, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> Tell of this day. That's, of course, if I can outrun the vampires. <laughs> well, they're busy at the moment, so now be the time to go. Yeah, when, when they're not occupied, that their movement rate is something to build. Hence them being able to just be like, oh, there's a, there's a huge yawning abyss here. I'm over it. So I, could probably, I could probably rake it into room 0H in one round. And then up the stairs. But, you know, if, if I'm meant to die, I'm meant to die. So I'm just going to continue shooting arrows at the fuckers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm chaotic. I don't really care when I die. That's it. you got to go sometimes, haven't you? Okay. So, sorry, I forget where we are. Are we on a. Have we got anyone to go this turn or are we on initiative again? Yeah, me. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we've both got to go yet. But cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, Quentin, you, you do first. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try and shoot this one that's currently. No, forget that. It's a one, so. Okay. I think we're toast. But it's too late to run away. <laughs> that's it. You still have movement. Actually, I was no, going to say, you've still got When move. this one's eating Wymore, I can make a peg for it. Well, don't forget, you've still got your move this round because you've only shot. Yeah. So you can yeah, move so and shoot. Given the fact that I've completely missed. Yep. I can do that and still take that shot that missed. Yep. Yep. So, John, let me know how much falls into the purview of, like, one movement and one action here. But I, I would like to... Uh, take one of my gar like the whole thing of garlic, nice, and just huh, like just you know force it down, just like savage it, so okay. that it's uh, in my gullet. And um, like, okay. it, can I brush past this guy? Like, can I move? So I guess diagonally, I would yeah. at least okay. be able to move there. Um, okay. so it probably, yeah, sorry. Since, since you're reeking of garlic and you're in close proximity to these vampires, I need to now make a save for them. So let's see if the one of us attacking you. No, so the one that's feeding on Brock passes. So the one that's feeding on Brock stays there and it's too enveloped in what it's doing. The one that was fighting you, however sort of lets out a loud animalistic hiss and it sort of like draws back from you. Now, um, I'm going to do one of the two things depending on, because like, this this guy is so in, engorging itself uh, on Brock's essence that it's not stopping for my garlic breath. No. Now, it's 
not by the rules, probably. Can I do a coup de gras? Like, is it so spellbound I could just lop off the head? I, I would say you wouldn't just be able to auto-kill it. However, I will give you mm -hmm. a plus four in addition to whatever else you've got mm -hmm. to your attack. And you can now definitely see, because you're that close, that this thing is definitely trying to force some of its blood into that brock. Yeah. I'll I'll give it a go for one turn because this other guy backed off, so maybe I'll live next turn to do my other thing. So, yeah, I'll <clears throat> seeing that it's just fully intent on whatever it's doing, I'll I'll literally try and do an execution <laughs> flow on it. So, it. come on, praise Gale. There we go. Uh, twenty 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 one. Okay, I'm going to say for the for the cinematic effect, you do with that roll, you do manage to lock mm -hmm. its head off. Right? It's a little... Its head sort of like falls to the ground. However, you do notice that Brock's body has started to move slightly. And from behind you, you hear the sound of two figures rising to their feet. It's so quick. Um, sorry, Malcolm. My, my other thing was to jump down and um try and impale malcolm's head <laughs> but not not to attack the the creature but malcolm um to save him from this but well, it's well, no too you, quick you, you could technically still do this he's still he's basically just sort of like looking a bit disorientated like climbing to his feet his his head sort of slowly as if he's not really aware of where he is turns in your direction you can see his eyes are just like a solid blood red color and like all sort of semblance of humanity just appears to have disappeared from its face it's like you're looking at the face of a stranger so he's not quite up and ready to attack yet but he's like climbing mm -hmm. to his feet and so sort of doing that whole like ah uh, yeah waking to new life yes unholy as it is okay but well, i guess that's my turn though yeah uh, for now okay so quentin have you done yours? Sorry, I forget. No, no, I've not done mine yet. Okay. I've just seen Malcolm wake up. Yep. Yeah. And you've seen like Brock starting to like move a little bit, although he's not like up yet. Um, well, we couldn't really handle three of them. <laughs> no, I I can't deal with one. Like yeah. they only need to tag me like once and I'm gone. So <laughs> we couldn't deal with so, these three, uh... and now two of them are player characters. <laughs> then Malcolm has a great storage. So I'll do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bring it on, John. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so Malcolm's getting to his feet. Brock hasn't moved yet. This one's so it's basically just this one. Mm. Because the the one that you got with the garlic still sort of withdrawn for this turn, it's been repelled. Yep. Although in fact you took the garlic this turn, so I'm gonna have to. I'm technically in order to attack you, I'm gonna have to make a save with this guy as well, which he fails, so he can't attack you this round. It's <laughs> like he's basically this? he's basically sort of hissing you and circling around you, but you can already feel like that essence du garlic sort of fading away. Obviously, it doesn't last for like forever, mm -hmm. but yeah. you can see it sort of my... slowly getting closer as like this aura of garlic around just this way. Yeah, and and t t for the record, like my my primary goal for the long term is like swallow some garlic so that if something happens to me, maybe the garlic burns me up from inside. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works, but that's what that's what Weimar's thinking. <laughs> okay, 
So I think we're on to initiative again. Yeah. Uh, Quentin, do you, is your magic still applying yeah, the... I hope we're so, on so seven. Got six. Oh, look at that. So you guys going first. <clears throat> okay. Um, I presume, Quentin, you're you're making it for our reinforcements yeah. outside. If, if you were... Uh, if you want to effectively do the equivalent of like declaring a fair escape quenting, you can by now. Because by the time this is dealt with, you'll be like far away. But it's up to you. Kind of torn. I just don't want to be a vampire. So. <laughs> well, I think we should all just die. If we're going to die, let's all die. Okay, so, so like you're on the cusp of like getting away, and you're just like, nah, and you like yeah, turn nah. around and start running back. Yep. Okay. Why Mal? Um, is Malcolm up from the abyss? He, he's ba he, he's now stood on his feet, but again, like see, he's still sort of like looking at the back of his hands and like looking around, mm -hmm. and then sort of like his eyes like lock on you, and you see his face twist in a mask of bestial hunger. So like next turn he's basically gonna like leap towards you, but now he's sort of like still getting himself together. Yeah, and uh, sort of <clears throat> having forced down the last of the garlic, um, I um, uh, I say, uh, looking at Malcolm, it's like, and and stepping forward as well. Um, it's been a long road, and I think the judge would have judged you worthy, and then just. Try and you know, okay, cleave, so, cleave him in half. Okay, so since we're at this sort of like cinematic stage, obviously, Malcolm, you sort of like you've you've resurrected as this this creature of the night. You can feel the the last of your humanity sort of draining away as the the space that your mortal soul, having left and departed to the afterlife, is now sort of filled with like the demonic essence of the the blood of the elder descendants of the crimson king but perhaps you if you wish you don't have to perhaps you there's enough of you left to do like a sort of cinematic last line should you wish <laughs> um or a last hit a last sort of heroic act if you wish yeah parry me and <laughs> kill it <laughs> um what i will do is say farewell my friend and i will troll the green blade in quinton's direction okay so yeah i'm not gonna make you make a roll for that very cinematic so quentin as you run back in you see malcolm sort of now the pale blood red eyes he seems to be like struggling to like keep control of himself but the hunger's obviously winning out as why sort of stepping in and getting ready to clean him into he shouts farewell my friend and he like hurls the green blade through the air you actually see like a sort of hiss of sort of steam as his like hand makes contact with the blade as though it started to burn him in his new undead state and then he hurls it towards you and it clatters to the ground at your feet quentin why oh, i you shout out of oh, the the, the judge yeah. would have found you worthy and you step in swinging the sun sword Yeah, that'd be uh, 26. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll do it. Okay, and since, since we're going on to sort of like 
the the cinematic moment now i'm going to say you you cleave into malcolm and he falls backwards into the abyss you hear a, a sort of animalistic sort of hissing noise getting fainter as he falls down into the abyss you've no idea how deep it is whether that will kill him or finish him off but for the moment it has taken him out but then from behind you you hear the sound of a large figure rising slowly to its feet the the sound of a scraping metal as a large sword is picked up from the floor okay so you ate garlic you ate your last garlic again this round didn't you um i still have a number of garlic all oh, right okay well you ate some this round didn't you yeah i'll i'll, I'll eat the okay yep. no problem yep. so brock's just getting to his feet so the other two vampires one has passed one has failed so only one can attack you so i'll just go for the nearest one for convenience so that is a miss so although it does Praise get close, it close to you perhaps <laughs> perhaps it's put off by the the garlic aroma wafting from you the other one sort of remains at a distance dropping to all fours like an animal hissing at you as it sort of like it moves forward a bit but then catches the smell and sort of backs off again almost scuttling like a an insect or some sort of animal any more for any more i uh, i think that's it right quentin you've run yeah yeah i've gone no, so yep, you've yep, gone okay. they've gone it's initiative again then we're on seven you're going first ooh, ooh spicy <laughs> Quentin the initiative man <laughs> that's like two seven quick and the dead right then what have we got here I'm tempted just to drink all my potions and see what happens <laughs> yeah I mean if if you got the juice <laughs> do, do you know I what mean, this the time <clears throat> I'm going for it I'm that light scroll might be handy as well I've no idea what to do I'm going to drink more <laughs> Okay, I am going to have to look this up because I can't remember what it happens when you drink, <laughs> you drink them all. If, I, know, I know something happens. Yeah, I've got there's a vampirism coloured one, a pale blue coloured one, a pearlescent one, and a white one. All right, I, I, I will tell you that you might be better, in, just in the interests of this scene, the, the effect of drinking a potion while under the effects of another potion. Basically, all it means is like you're disabled for three turns, and the effects of both of them are cancelled. So I'll, you might be better off just picking a random one. Yeah, I'll I'll go for the pearlescent one. Okay, the pearlescent one. I'm gonna to have to look up my uh, my item list now. Let's see, potion pearlescent. Okay, not a problem. So you drink this pearlescent potion, obviously cross it off your character sheet and as you drink it you feel a warmth flow down into you and at first nothing seems to happen but then as as it sort of seeps into your system and it starts to take its possibly nefarious effects we will find out you suddenly become very aware 
that in the the chamber over here yeah frozen in the ice with whatever spirit remains in there there is 30,000 silver pieces and 6,000 gold pieces nice and you just know that as a fact like you're not sure how you know it but you know it wrong potion <laughs> okay What's next? Why more? I think it's me, yeah. Because Brock and this other one are keeping their distance, I'm I'm going to try and fight yeah. this one. Also like three of them are like slowly sort of like circling you as though they're like, yeah. they're sort of waiting for a, a moment's weakness to like leap in and pounce on you like sort of like pack animals. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a one <laughs> okay. okay so this is this is now uh weimar just being worn down and facing down three vampires <laughs> are you eating any more garlic this turn yeah okay cross off another clove uh, two more to go after this so we're going to the vampires so this will be the the last turn that brock's sort of like doing his like adjusting to it and then I'll be able to move mm -hmm. normally next turn so the other two make their saves so one succeeded one has failed so again it's one of them attacking you so the nearest one again misses Gale is with us okay so back on okay. to Quentin. or well oh yes of course Quentin drank the potion, didn't he? So, yeah. So yep. initiative. So I'm on three. We're on four. Okay, you guys go first. Yeah, Quentin. I'll step there and shoot Brock. Oh, you mean you're not drinking another random potion? Well, I could do, but I don't know how long these effects last for. So. <laughs> So yeah, I'll try and shoot Brock. Okay. With silver. And I've got twenty. Okay, that is a hit. Re damage. Or five points of damage. Okay, your silver arrow sinks into Brock's shoulder. Is, is now pallid vampiric flesh and you see like it's sort of black and, and then a wisp of smoke hisses up. Okay. Yeah, using the green blade would be detrimental to my health, so... Um... <laughs> well, yeah, it is the blade of neutrality, so even like picking it up would do your damage. Okay, so... I think we're on to... Uh... Yeah, Weimar. Your boy, Weimar. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and skewer that one, the one that I'm fighting. Our duel. There we go. There we go. 28. Yeah, that's definitely a hit. Roll your damage. There we go. Uh, 14. <laughs> How's that? Okay. Not enough is the answer. But... Yep, you 
Right, you say it's not enough to kill it, but you do inflict a serious injury on it. It screams in a sort of odd, sort of like you're in a high-pitched noise and a low rumbling at the same time. Okay. Yep, and I ate, ate my garlic. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be so full of garlic that if they turn me into a vampire, I will just explode immediately. <laughs> All right, okay, so these two are moving in, so I'm going to make a roll for all of these. Okay, so one succeeded, two succeeded. Well, the, good, the good news is Brock's not attacking you. He's repelled huh? by the garlic, but there's two others who have succeeded. One misses. Come on. Two misses. Gale! F five and a Gale! two. <laughs> okay, so we're on to initiative again, somehow. <laughs> I'm on a fall. Gonna roll for you guys, Quentin. Five, matey. So okay. So you guys are going first, and as you look, you you almost can't believe your own eyes, Quentin. As Weimar's surrounded by like vampire Brock and these two like elder vampires, children of the Crimson King, and yet somehow as he's like shoveling garlic down like it's going out of fashion, somehow he's still going. Nice. Right, and I'll keep shooting at Brock then. Okay, go for it. That's uh, 15. Okay. I think that's enough with Brock's AC, unfortunately. No, I don't think so. 18 is. Okay, why not? Yeah, same target. Same target. Just. Yes! Uh, <laughs> that, that would be. Uh, 29. Yeah, roll your damage. Uh, 11? Okay. This thing is hurting badly now, but it is still going. I presume you're shoveling your, some more garlic down. Yeah. my Now it's my last garlic. This is where it gets this, spicy. This is your last Up one, until this, Yeah, this, this is... Now it's, it's been easy mode until now. Now it's okay. now it's going to be normal difficulty. So let's see. One succeeds. One fails. Two succeed. So Brock's still not attacking you, but the other two are. Oh. One hits. No. One misses. So you take four hit points of damage. That's fine. And you lose <laughs> three constitution. It's still good. It's still good. Okay, so you can see Quentin like Weimar's like being borne down under the weight of these vampires. One's got its fang into his side, and they're sort of pulling him down by weight of numbers. And he, but he's still sort of swinging with the sun sword. Okay, back onto initiative. I like to think at this point it's like they're they're hanging on to him, like literally dragging him down. Yeah, basically. It's like him. Like punching the one one vampire with the pommel in the face, that's a repeat. It's like, why won't you die? We're on eight for initiative. Right, but you guys go first then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quentin, please, please. Right, I'm going to shoot the one that is most damaged. Okay. I'm going to try, and I'm going to fail miserably. Okay. Silver bolt whistles past its ear. It like. <laughs> one more. Okay, let's see if I can actually pummel this guy to death. New garlic free, Wama. 
Yeah, no, <laughs> a thousand percent less garlic. Well, I guess not. That's not true because I ate like a whole thing of it. But um, that'll be twenty. Yeah, that's a hit. Okay, um, thirteen. Okay, you've taken him down. Yeah, so I guess it just becomes mush. <laughs> so just yeah, beat it in the face. Pretty much. <laughs> However, you now have these two vampires left and no garlic protection. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we go on to the vampires. So Come on. One has hit. Hey, no. <laughs> One has missed. So just the, the normal vampire. So you take one hit point of damage that's fine and you lose six constitution nah <laughs> <laughs> okay prepare for the vampire king <laughs> so okay so Weimar goes down as both Brock and this uh this other elder vampire sort of fall on him and start feeding on him so if I have a second I guess if we have that like one last conscious thing, we'll do that next turn, like Malcolm did. So, indeed, we will. Okay, so effectively, we won't worry about initiative. We'll just say you guys go first on this next round. So, why am I? As you're sort of being like pulled down, the the now bestial twisted mask of Brock's face as he bites into you, and this other elder vampire that's got his fangs sunk into you. They both like pull you down. You can feel like your life ebbing away. And this, this horrible, dark, malign sort of influence flowing into you to fill up the void that your departing spirit is leaving. As with Malcolm, you've got a few like precious moments where you're still yourself. What do you do? I, like, in a death grip, I have the the sun sword, and I just think at it real hard with the last. As you're sort of doing that, you look at the sun sword, mm -hmm. and you can see that like smoke started to wisp out from mm -hmm. between your hands when you're holding it. Yeah, and perhaps inspired by that, uh, I just think at it real quick, just like, I've, I I gave it all I had. It wasn't enough. Just, if you can, just burn everything. And then, well, I guess I'm gone. <laughs> and as as you say that, the you hear the voice of the sun sword in your head saying, you did all you could rest easy and then there is a burst of light throwing the two vampires back and as the light clears the last thing you see quentin as the as the light sort of fades is weimar sort of like beat by this explosion being sort of like bodily thrown into the abyss the sun sword like still in his grasp and like a thin trail of smoke as he like falls into this cavern You see these like two sort of dazed vampires, like Brock and this elder vampire, sort of like slowly picking themselves up and shaking their heads to clear their vision. What do you do, Quentin? I will grab the green blade. Okay, roll a D. With a piece of cloth. Yeah, that's fine. You wrap it up. Yeah, it's not a problem. <laughs> I did for a minute think, yeah, I just grab it, yeah. But no, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. That'd be dumb, obviously. You know what happens. Yeah. yeah, you wrap it up. You grab it. 
Yeah. And uh, better make a run for it, really. Okay. So I think what we're going to do here, guys, is we're going to sort of wrap it up. I'm not going to play through a whole, through a whole chase as sort of Quentin makes his way out with you guys all sat there. Obviously, Quentin, you'll be able to, you'll be able to make it out of there because Brock's not going to be quite up to speed yet. They're all they're both sort of dazed by this explosion, so you will make it out. So unfortunately, three of our our brave heroes have perished in the the castle of the Crimson King. Whether they were successful at turning Guaymar into a vampire, we don't know. He fell into the abyss with the Sun Sword. We know that Brock is up and about and has been vampirized. We know that Malcolm was turned into a vampire but managed to like fling himself into the abyss. Whether he survived in inverted commas, we don't yet know. But Quentin flees out of the castle. I'm going to ask Brock, can you make me one last D6 roll? It's for our one. boys outside. Two. Okay, well, luckily for you, I only got a one. So, Quentin, as you run out of the castle, you can hear cheering from the valley. And as you look over, you see the barbarian horde sort of basically putting the last feeble remnants of the once mighty undead army to the sword as they're basically the few mortal troops the the baddies had they're sort of they're dropping the weapons and they're just fleeing the barbarian ice walkers are just running them down and putting them to the sword and basically like they've, they've already started setting fire to some of the bodies so it appears the sort of larger battle outside has been won but obviously it's a it's a somewhat bittersweet event, knowing what you've, knowing what comrades you've lost inside the castle. So I think, with a... to be honest, I think I'd probably just say, just go and storm that castle because it's fucked up. <laughs> Indeed. So I think as we we draw to a close there, with perhaps Quentin sort of meeting up with the uh, the lieutenants in your sort of barbarian horde, like the sort of the minor chiefs of the various tribes you've drawn together and sort of trying to rally them and like lead them on to like attack the castle which to be honest they don't take a great deal of convincing of because they're like yeah we've killed all these undead next to the castle put it to a torch evil magic and as we sort of fade out with the slightly sort of somber sort of end music playing the, the sort of camera zooms out as this barbarian horde probably now numbering about 100 120 men sort of storming towards the castle with Quentin with them sort of heading towards the drawbridge and swarming towards the castle. Torches lit in the best style of sort of hammer horror movies. And I think that is where we're going to bring this session to a close. But before we wrap up the stream, obviously, effectively, we've had a TPK there, guys. So I'm just going to ask, do you go, how do you guys want to continue after this? Do you want to roll up new characters and carry on in the same campaign do you want to try a different campaign how, how are you guys feeling about it i think we've sort of set up a um <clears throat> the scene for a completely new campaign in this world where yeah. like something else happens maybe another group of people pursue the swords or whatever but 
um, like I'm not sort of, you know, joined at the hip, sort of too. Yeah, too I mean, idea. I'm. I mean, if we if we were to continue in this same campaign world, and obviously I'm, I'm recording this for the streams, so I think it's a an interesting thing for like people to see. So like what happens in a campaign when you've lost this number of uh, player characters? Obviously, if we were to continue in this campaign world, I'd suggest we maybe have a bit of a bit of a time skip to like move things forward. We, we'd have a chat about what we wanted the focus of like the next campaign to be, because although ostensibly it's set in the in the same campaign world, we might pick like a different area and go like, oh yeah, we we actually want to be like people from this area, or or maybe we want to like have a campaign that like doesn't focus on the swords, we want it to focus on something else, and we could easily do that, or as you've said we could be like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna focus on like a new group of people trying to retrieve these swords we could go either way with that and i'd be fine with any of that if you guys are like oh we'd like to try something different we can do that as well entirely throwing it open to you guys i'm happy with either like i said i'd like to keep, i'd like to keep the time slot and keep the group obviously because i enjoy role playing with you guys but like like uh Giannis was saying i'm not wedded at the hip to either idea i'd like to try something different i think it's been a, like it's been a long campaign yeah it's um, it been a long campaign and I, i'm going to keep all the notes for this so if later on we're like oh yeah we, we, we want to go back to like the world of smoke and snow i'm going to have all the notes saved from this campaign so we can pick it up later on there's there's no issue with that um but like i say in, entirely down to you guys I, i'm happy with either Yep, um, <clears throat> because we've done a lot of development here for this campaign, campaign setting. That is obviously the artifact that will, you know, exist even if we don't actively yes, of play in. So I think it's yeah, maybe it would good to um, have a change of pace and get something different going. Even if it's bit. only for six or eight sessions. Yeah, you know, this is like. Yeah. Uh, like a sort of interim thing. Yeah, we could easily do like a sort of little mini, like sort of finite campaign. Um, obviously, I've got a, a. If you want to try a different system, I've got like a smorgasbord of different games. If you just wanted to do some D and D but in a different setting, we could do that. Whatever you guys fancy, really. I think just, just because it's it's the eternal problem, like. Uh, there's so many good options. Yeah. I, I don't think I can conjure up one right now. No, like, I, what I, what I'd suggest we do is if if we're saying that like, oh, we'd like to try something different, what I'd suggest is um, when we would normally have the next session, we'll all get together via Zoom and we'll have, we'll have like a chat, maybe a session zero if we come up with an idea and we'll sort of talk over the ideas. Then when we're sort of fresh and we've got a bit of time to think about it, and we'll do it that way rather than like trying to just come up with something off the cuff now when we're all like a bit yeah. tired and we've just finished that game and stuff like that. Yeah, and dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or undead. Not retired, <laughs> I didn't die. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for playing on that, guys. I hope despite the character deaths, you all enjoyed the session. Yeah, thanks for John. No problems. Yeah. And I say it's, it's been an absolute pleasure for me to to run this campaign thoroughly enjoyed running the game for the for the group and look forward to whatever we decide to do next mm -hmm. as a campaign and as i say if we do want to come back to this world at any point 
I've got all the notes from like all the previous games saved up so we can easily do that whenever we want. We can just pick it straight back up again with like a different group of player characters. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end the stream here. I'm just gonna again say thank you to my wonderful players. Thank you to anyone who's watched these uh, Smoke and Snow episodes. We hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've had as much fun as I have running it. And hopefully, whatever we're doing next, we'll catch you then. Take it easy.